Then it gets trickier because here's the thing. <laughs> the problem is this. I don't give a flying fuck who cries oh, when I say this. I'm going to pick... Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of Side Select. We have a very special award show episode today. It's the end of the regular spring split in LEC. Playoffs are upcoming and of course we need to award some awards to the best that Europe has to offer. We've got a bunch of awards to give out today, including the best rookie, the uh, unsung hero, and uh, of course the least annoying broadcast talent. Uh, which might be difficult to do since I'm not on the show anymore. So, yes, though, like when I saw that, obviously I laughed because it's like a ridiculous category. But then I realized, <laughs> bearing in mind, especially this show, like we are fairly critical, like that actually is the best category. Because if you go the other way, like the best one, like that's like, everyone could just sort of agree on that. There's a few people who's really good, aren't they? But actually, it's way more, more interesting, I agree, to just find out who is the least <laughs> annoying. That's that's a better way to phrase it, I think. I like that. That's good. On brand, on brand. Before we get started with the awards, of course, we have the most important part of the show where I ask you some food-related questions. Now, we were uh, we were meant to record this episode, for those of you who want to uh, look behind the curtain. We were meant to record this episode a few days ago. Couldn't do it because I gave myself food poisoning, okay? I don't really know how I did it. Oh, but... wait a minute. You don't know because here's the problem. Can... There, are no, there are normally some pretty common vectors. So I'll give you like two off the top of my head. Uh -huh. Kebab. You had a kebab no. after a night out. That's a classic one. The uh -huh. other one it would be... You eat a sandwich from a supermarket and, you know, maybe you had it at like 4.30 p.m. and it was it had been on the shelf for slightly too long at room temperature. You know what? You, this is the way it all happens. And, you know, even when you eat it, you, you have that. Have you ever noticed that as well? I noticed that if I actually end up getting food poisoning, it's almost like my brain sends me a signal while I'm eating the food, though. Like there might be something yeah. off with this. And then I think at the time, oh, that's OK. I'm OK. That feels all right. And then later yeah. you realize ah, oh, that was a message from the universe. Like I actually have a psychic power, but only for diarrhea, apparently. So. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. I was <laughs> no, I get that. Chili. I get that weird feeling, yeah. I was I was eating this chilli. And of course, this is the only time I decided to make my chilli extra spicy because I'm using oh, it. Oh, of course. There you go. Of course. <laughs> and, and literally, I'm eating I'm like, God, this is a bit off, isn't it? But no, I only cooked it like two days ago. And it's just like rice, mince, and, you know, whatever. Um, Yeah, I only had, I only had like a good like four or five mouthfuls. So I was like, nah, I just this, this is something not right about this. And like for the rest of the night... Honestly, I it's a bit TMI. So closure clo, closure is if you don't want to hear something a bit gross right here. But like it the 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 bile plus spice from chili was one of the most horrendous oh, right. combinations. Oh, were you sick? Were actually I was sick. sick. It must yeah, so I was sick. Yeah, I was sitting. Right. I was sitting in my bathroom on the floor, just like my head in the shower. <laughs> just oh. it was absolutely fucking diabolical, and it was so like the the first part was so bad, like. Because there wasn't a lot of substance. Cause I only had like four mouthfuls. It was a lot of it. It was just bile. And it was like bile with spicy, spicy, acidic anyway. Plus the spice. It came out my nose. Do you know how painful oh. bile has spice oh, is after sure. the nose? Also, I, I actually hear that. What's weird is like, why, why is your body just not let you be sick a small amount? It's like if you do only a small amount, then it's like, right, motherfucker, I'm gonna work you even. There's nothing left. You're like, please, yeah. please, there's, yeah. I'll be honest, there's nothing. That's yeah. it. Or just make it that, the dry shit's the worst. I know it's the most yeah. painful. You're like, oh, please, I've done just, it. I've given you everything. Just like, <laughs> just like, honestly, just, just, just open the tap on the other side and just sit me on the toilet for oh, hours. Absolutely, I don't that's easy. Yeah, like. Anyway, this relates to the question of the day. Um, what is the food that you do not trust? Everyone's got a food Ooh. that they don't trust, Ooh. right? Ooh. Easy and it might, these, yeah. It I might think. be, you know, maybe like a um, 
It doesn't necessarily have to make sense. It might be an illogical distrust or maybe you had like a traumatizing experience when you were younger. For me, it's got to be uh, sushi. I don't trust sushi. Um, just something about raw fish just, just, just mentally. You know, I feel like honestly, you can make yourself sick if you mentally believe what you're eating is, is going to make you feel sick, even if it's fine. You know, so for me, sushi is just like, I can't do that. Um, and so I don't understand the obsession. It's almost like cool to eat sushi. It's like, oh, this is a new sushi place. You should go check it out. It's like, why? It's just raw fish. Like, I don't see the interest in that personally. Uh, but what is the food that you don't trust? I'll, I'll come to you first, Rich. What don't you trust? Because you must, you must have had a lot of uh, a lot of variety of foods and a lot of delicacies yeah. and stuff like that in your time in the yeah. in the yeah. Well, we'll, we'll dive straight into. A middle class white child uh, in the UK again because I very quickly yeah. even though I already bored Fox with the the story before the show I've got to do the quick TLDR of my story top for food poisoning because it's a banger <laughs> basically when I was in university <laughs> obviously again your boy we you know can't be seen dead as a middle class white child in in like university halls for Americans that's basically dorms right so I wasn't in a dorm I was in student housing and uh, I shared with a bunch of girls and I got sick one, like really bad food poisoning. I don't know what caused it. I can't remember what caused it. But basically what happened is I went, to, I'd been like throwing up all day and I had nothing left in my stomach. But then I was like, oh no, oh no, I need to go again. I have nothing left. Oh. So I try and get to the bathroom. Don't make it, of course, or I don't make it to the toilet, but I make it to the bathroom and I just throw up pure bile, pure bile, like all over the floor. And it like, there's so much of it, it like spreads out and evenly like rests on the surface, right? So obviously- I'm so glad we actually timed this show that the recording time's actually like right like in the sweet spot where I haven't just eaten like one hour before something. Yeah. Mad. Like these stories are ridiculous. Yeah. Go on, keep don't, going. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So yeah, so anyway, back to the bile covered floor that I'm now sat on my hands and knees in. I can't I can't think about cleaning it up because I'm still dying at this point. I'm like actually dead. So I like crawl back to bed, you know, patched up in green. And uh my housemate goes into the bathroom and she sees the floor, but she thinks I've tried to clean it. Like she thinks this green glue is like i don't know fairy liquid or something and she goes oh richard tried to clean the bathroom that's nice and then i just hear squelch 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 and she's like walking through trudging around being like oh could have at least uh cleaned up the excess soap though couldn't you and then i just hear her like on her hands and knees with a cloth like cleaning up i'm like oh my god i'm never gonna tell you what that actually was so yeah anyway now Surely that, her uh, nose betrayed her. You you get one whiff of what that is, and you're like, "That's not fairy liquid. That's not soap." I think I had. But that. what was it that caused it? I I I, I don't know. You don't but, know. But the the food I generally trust the least, even though weirdly I like eat a lot of it, is like if I even see like a tiny bit off with chicken or any poultry, really. Like if I bite into it and it tastes a bit weird and chewy, well, then that bit of chicken is like sectioned off and not just like the immediacy, but a little bit around it as well. It's like a quarantine, right? Like I'm not risking anything. I will like have to surgically remove that whole section and the surrounding possibly cancerous cells next to it. Cause yeah, chicken, poultry, obviously that shit's like notorious for uh, yeah, food poisoning. So yeah, gotta be, gotta be careful with, with chicken people. Yeah, so chicken is yours. What's your 
who you don't trust, sorry. Oh, but that one is. That actually also just makes me realise how much fucking social programming there was in the 90s because basically Rich is a victim like everyone of this era was, which is for eggs and chicken, they just basically brainwashed you that like, it's all been a lift, it's one second out of the fridge. Even though as far as I can tell, that actually is just like a psyop to make you like throw stuff out way before it's actually like reached its real, not like the sell by date famously isn't obviously when you can not eat it, but like they obviously, unfortunately, that's just the way these businesses work they want you to chuck it out and buy the new ones they don't want you to be like back in the day like if you know your grandparents they would have kept stuff till the very bitter end and the opposite they would be like no that's still okay like it's the opposite if i smell it and it's even vaguely or like one little thing off i'm like no it's gonna be bad and i have to say even though i know what i'm saying now like consciously i have a real hard time the second it goes past the date on that actual (laughs) thing like once that date (laughs) passes because then i just keep feeling foxtrop like if i die now i'm the dickhead i don't like i knew it was there it was saying on the pack so it's only me to blame so that's the worst part is the way it's like making me complicit in like fucking myself up so as a general rule i'm in the same wheelhouse because basically it's almost anything that involves not like raw but like mixed eggs in any way so like egg salad like eggs that's Mm. by the way that's the reason those sandwiches are a vector because they always have an egg in the uk it's egg and something else nearly always so like there's and also i'd say I think another one's like potato salad. You know, it's anything with mayonnaise is also another one because these are the things that when they get to sort of room temperature and the worst with these, by the way, is I think it's even why everyone's had so many food poisoning incidents. These are all the foods that at a party they put out on a massive table and leave for eight hours in like room temperature. And the problem, that's the problem. After about three hours of that room temperature, that's when it's like you just gamble at that point in time. Like, yeah. you, can, you can absolutely wreck yourself with that. So yeah, there's that. <laughs> I think also the final thing, if you think about the foods I'm talking about, this is why it's got this association in my mind. They are also party foods. So I'm also thinking of the foods where I'm going, oh, just a slice of pizza left. And I don't know, three snotty little fucking kids have just touched that already when I wasn't looking. And I'm turning around like, oh, delicious. And I'm just now eating all their snot and everything. See what I mean? So the, the whole thing's just a train wreck. So anything with an egg, egg, mixed egg in some way seems to be the, the one that I always just, just when I see it, I'm like, oh, it's going to fuck me up, isn't it? If I eat that, that's going to wreck me. Yeah. That seems pretty fair. We had fish, chicken, and egg. Like, yeah. Even if we are brainwashed by the by the media, like that's. I think I think that there's nothing out of the ordinary here. I was hoping for maybe like a bit of spice, like you don't trust a specific type of bread or like a raisin, but a very specific type of raisin. I don't know, but I think we can all get a, get around that. That's I'd, fine. Get, I'd, I, I'd throw milk into the equation as well. I mean, obviously dairy in general is, but like milk. Yeah. I also had another small side tangent, right? If when I was in uh, HUK like, and we were in one of the gaming houses, uh, the manager like went to grab some milk out of the fridge, but it was like THC milk, right? So it wasn't like organic fresh milk. It was one of the long life thing of milk oh, okay. to get out of the fridge. And he started pouring it on his cereal and it was coming out as like this gloopy, looked like Like cream cheese. Yeah, Yeah, like it looked horrible. And I was like, what's the date on that? And then he goes, oh no, it's got like two years left. I was like, that's if it's unopened, mate. And he's like, what? I was like, yeah, that's when it's unopened. Obviously, as soon as you open it, it's like normal milk. He's like, oh, I've been been having it every day for the past week. fucking hell. (laughs) Apart from anything else, how have you not... Like, how have you not noticed in taste and texture? Well, to be fair, he probably does have, like... 
here's the thing bearing in mind obviously like fermented things are actually supposed to be really good for you he must just have like the inadvertently the god tier immune system now because like if he's been eating that the whole time like he's trained himself that's like fucking taking that's like sparring sessions with mike tyson mate just working with your body shots like this guy will be amazing now but he's never sick yeah the worst thing is though the worst thing is the cunt had two bowls didn't he one was for him the other one was for yarnan Oh, he's walking no. upstairs with a bowl in hand. I was like, <laughs> now, all I'm going to say, fans, is if you actually go back to season five, Kiana was actually like a pretty solid player. After that's when he became a bit of a meat. <laughs> all I'm saying is, you know, was this the incident? You know? That's true. Maybe it was. Did the decline in skill link to his decline in diet yeah. where he's eating sludgy milk? Yeah. Oh. All right, I'm, I'm going to move on. Like Normally, I like talking about this, but I've, I regret making that the question of the day. We, we've got some awards to hand out here, so uh, let's get right along cracking with it. As I said, it's the end of the spring split, the regular season. Uh, just in case you are living a bit under a rock, Mad Lions and G2 came in first and second, 12 wins and six losses. And it was a very exciting end to the split because we had... Uh, Excel, Fnatic, Vitality, and Astralis were all fighting for the last two playoff spots. With Vitality going into the Super Week, I believe in second place. Do you know what the best part is? On all my shows, I kept explaining to people, like, come on, guys. In reality, it's just like Excel, Fnatic, and Astralis. Like, functionally, yep. Vitality has made it. Like, they can already, like, I did say all that whole, like, spiel, and obviously now that's yep. it. It's very poorly, I will say. They only needed to win <laughs> one game. I know, they were, exactly. They were in, in, like, nine. 94 whatever percent of scenarios, scenarios like, yeah and and just yeah they they didn't make it they slipped out they lost every single game they suck and they didn't make it Strice also didn't make it so it's excel and fanatic picking up the last two playoff spots that has got to be yeah i haven't seen an ending like that in, oh, a, it's wild. in, in a long time yeah that was pretty wild so uh, I'm going to lead on to our first award here, which is the most surprising team in either a good or a bad way of the 2022 summer split Rich, hit me up first with that. See, the obvious answer, especially based off that leading, is Vitality. But uh -huh. I actually... But is that really that surprising? Yeah, well, eh, I mean, how it ended the ending is was surprising. surprising yeah. But obviously yeah, the yeah. award is in the context of the split. And basically Vitality ended up finishing exactly where... Well, not exactly where, because they actually did scrape into playoffs last time. But even... Yeah, I mean, the, the super team continues to underwhelm. Like, it's still, you know, a, a similarly trending path. For me, it's Misfits, because even though mm. Misfits have a similar record and position by the end of this split that they had in spring, I was so convinced, first and foremost, that there were like loads of weird circumstances around that which contrived to give them that position. But also, I was like, they're for sure going to be the team that just drops off this split. And they started really badly. They, were, they looked like how everyone, or at least how we predicted they would look at the start of the split. They were not good at all. And there didn't seem to be many angles where you could sort of um, justify why they would be better. So yeah, for me, it's definitely misfits. I think that, because um, um, we don't actually have a, a coaching staff award on this on this show, but like uh, obviously the official coaching things went to, to mad but I'd, I'd have given it to misfits because i think that they did perform above what they should have performed with that roster uh, i think it's a very unbalanced roster which has a pretty weird in theory unreplicable identity yet somehow they managed to chug out loads of wins so yeah for me for me it's misfits i think that's fair um i still remember when we were doing the preview to this split both of you said misfits were the team that was gonna 
not not going to make it this time around in, in the playoffs. And what about you, Thorne? Who's the most surprising team in a good or bad way for you? Yeah, I'll also take misfits. Like The key thing for me is this. I think once you saw the way the spring split went, bearing in mind you knew Mad Lions was upgrading. You knew Excel had gone for this boot camp. You know that a bunch of the good teams have kept the good lineups. You know that G2's just been to MSI and like the highlight, blah, blah, blah. There's all, like, essentially, there's no reason, as far as I can tell, that they even should have been a playoff team. Like Essentially, it's only if you don't believe in Excel or Vitality or something that they would even be like a top 16. I think most people thought, in the same way as Mad Lions missed the playoffs last split, well, if Mad Lions gets Nisky, then logically Misfits is the team that gets squeezed out. They're the team without the potential. They've sort of capped out their potential, if anything. And also, they looked like they had the perfect storm in spring. Like, Vithio's having all these, like, god-tier games. They even had that weird period where the whole Neon angle... Here's what's funny. I think in spring split, Neon didn't really get credit as a player because at the time it looked like, well, he's just abusing the fact that, like, Jinx is broken in the matter really getting a new team fight. And, like, and he has a Yumi on him. So I, I actually think he didn't even get his props in that split. So when you come into this split, you have to remember, they fired Hirit. Well, if people don't know, when they began this split badly, I remember I saw someone did some... I think it was an analyst or something, did some, like, content or maybe it was just a Twitter thread that was basically about the fact that if you went and watched when Hirit was good last year in summer, part of why they actually thought that Misfits was good with the original Vethiol lineup was because it was basically like Hirit just constantly draw, drew the jungler top because he was like a carry top laner, wasn't he? So their logic was that bringing in the actual uh, irrelevant guy, they thought that's the problem. It wasn't that he's a bad player. It's that because he's now just like your normal tank top laner, there's no pressure draw to the top, so now everyone could just collapse Vethiol and they could fuck Vethiol's game up. And essentially when people said this, I remember thinking, like, yeah, he's right, they're probably solved as a team, like, it's over, like, you can't have Vethio 1v9 every game, the team itself now doesn't have, like, the same even sort of map pressure, and there's all these better squads, so there was really no reason they should actually be a good team, so I think when you look instead at what they've done, like, by the end of the split, Vethio was being an MVP candidate again, they sort of got him back in that position, so he did play exceptionally well by the end of the split, I think, then you add in the neon factor became legit, like, that actually, I think he now has earned his status as probably, like, dark horse elite AD carry in the league if you look at what he did especially as a backliner it's a fucking amazing player in team fights then you add in everyone thinks I've said it on all the past shows that Mercer is surely going to get benched or replaced by an ERL team well the joke is it's like I said on some of the insight what's so rough about Mercer is this Everyone says you can't give Misfits Yumi. They never fucking say Mercer's name. The joke is like the Yumi really was the band-aid for that player. Because like, like all the silly things that we say about Yumi, like you just put it on a champion, you're not even doing anything. Yeah, but if that champion that you put it onto is Vethior Neons, it's gonna be hyper-powered and you just become like Neo in the Matrix. So it actually turned out to be a great strategy that works. Then you think about the jungle scenario. So they obviously were tortured by the whole Schlatan thing, and it never worked out even that well in the previous split. I don't think the Zanzara move was for a better jungler. Like I think Schlatan's better than Zanzara but the difference is for some weird reason in those last weeks the Zanzara swap just made all the other enemy coaches like in the fucking draft constantly and just do all these like they kept simultaneously trying to target ban him but then also act like he couldn't do anything like it was one of the most weird things I've ever seen so in a team that already had like two win conditions suddenly your two win conditions were getting even more picks like there wasn't as many bans sent towards them and so yeah in general I think that and finally for the coaching staff angle, like Rich says if you were to look at this split this is where I hope that unlike every other split in history, people don't just remember the final standings and they remember the rough like waves of who was high and who was low and what the stock market sort of graph of it was. Because if you remember that, the reason the Misfits story is so good of when they start getting really good and how they climb to the top is basically they they actually were the team, this is real, who innovated in the region and showed everyone else how to play League of Legends this split. Once they got that formula down of the tank top, 
that that fucking the Trundle Jungle type guy, the fucking like carry mid laner, the hyper carry ADC and enchanter support. Like once they got that down and nailed it, that just became the formula that the joke is all the other teams just copied them. Then Vitality could do that, and then everyone basically just started doing that exact approach and found it just wins games. In fact, it even wins in the other regions if you watch over there. So to me. Like you've got to give uh, like insane credit to this team. They've seemingly taken every disadvantage and turned it on its head. They found like I think it's amazing. Like I even forgot to add in the development guy by the middle of the split was even really good on like the tanks. He was fucking looking awesome. Like, he was probably like a sleeper pickup. Like he actually ended up being one of the most improved players. So I think all in all, like just all around, that's why I agree, with Rich. I would have given them the coaching award because this isn't even past ones where you're just giving them because like the number of wins in the league. Like every factor seems to imply that the coaching staff must have done a really bang up job with this team i think that as far as most surprising goes there's kind of three well i think misfits for for, for good reasons i think vitality personally i wouldn't say they're surprising like the way it ended the split as i mentioned before is surprising but you know they were nine and nine in spring they're nine and ten they essentially did the exact same but this time it was just wasn't quite enough to get into playoffs um where you're going, I'm... you forgot one because the other angle obviously is you could go the other way and say Fnatic's surprising. Right? Well, that's, I mean, we, that's I, I picked I'm them to win say. the split, yeah. I thought they were going to be that's number what one. I'm going to say yeah. here is I, for me, my pick is Fnatic because leading up that's until fair. that very last week, Fnatic were not <laughs> they, they, you know, they almost did a reverse vitality. Like the, the chances of them getting into playoffs was. was very slim and they still make it happen, wild. So. Here's, here's what tells you that you're right about the way the split went because actually here's what's wild for most of the split I was obviously on the train of like when are they ever going to get a win like how can they be this bad but by that last week I was actually shocked when they made it in I remember seeing them making it in like holy fuck I forgot they could even win three games in a row like that wasn't even in my brain like I assumed they were going to just lose two and then be in some like whack scenario where they miss out by a game so yeah the fact that they ended the split it's like a surprise them in the playoffs like fucking yeah. hell guys <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a real shock to me. The fact that they managed in, which if they hadn't got in, that would have been like oh, I can't even imagine the drama. Literally, Reddit would have melted down. Would have melted down. Yeah, um, I'm still curious to see, like you know, with how they perform in playoffs, because I don't expect much from this roster, even the coaching staff, honestly, moving forward. If they don't make, if they don't make worlds, especially now you got four spots. Oh, for sure. Um, but let's move on to our next awards here for the best roster move. I personally believe there is. A correct answer here, though there's also some honourable mentions. Um, I'm just going to get it out of the way and say Niski has brought Mad Lions from not playoffs to first place. He made the first place all-pro team. Um, as controversial as you know, some of that voting may have been. Uh, he's obviously had a huge impact on that team, non-playoff team, to, to very, very first in the league. Um, but there are some other people, like you mentioned, relevant as well. So who do you think has been uh, the best uh, roster move, the best addition to their team? I went to Rich first last time, so Thorin, hit me up. I think, in, here's the thing, I think overall I would probably agree with you. If I had to pick just one name, I would probably say Niski because, I mean, it hits the narrative. Obviously, the playing style seems to have improved. I even think, actually, the fact that it put people like the El Yoyas of the world back in the MVP conversation suggests mm. the level of influence. Obviously, they were the number one team for most of the league. But if I was going to say someone else, because I thought you made a good case there, I think the other name for me that I might have picked, and this is, I'm picking this very carefully based on, like again, intangible factors. Even though I actually think you could you could say Yonghoon from Astralis because he did great individually. I would actually say Cersei for Astralis, I think, was a, was a really good fucking pickup if you look now. Because as far as I can tell with the way the split ended, 
even at the end of the split when they won all these games, like if people don't know, Astralis won seven games this split. Like that's pretty legit. Like again, there's worlds where people would probably have said they might win like four or three or something. People all thought they might be as bad as BDS because they had names like Visage actually coming back from the grave and people that you haven't seen in ages. If you actually look at the end of the split, Visage actually never was good at Elena the entire split. The Dior guy doesn't even seem like he had much of a champion pool. It was never that impressive to me. Essentially, as far as I can tell, like Young Hoon guy did all the highlights. Kobe just played like a normal ADC. And then basically it was just Cersei. Like Cersei's style, like obviously he had the right team for him, but it, it seemed to me like he carried him afar for these wins, mate. I even saw some of those games they would lose. Because one of the weird things about Astralis, when you think about the fact I've just described, they have no solo lanes in terms of the laning phase. Like the Jokers, dude, they were in loads of games at like fucking mid to late game. It was so weird. So to me, it was Cersei's fucking jungling. And then I'm going to guess the shot caller visit actually that got that done. So I thought Cersei actually put them in position to even be, be the team they were. So I think that's a, a mega sign in bearing your mind. Like they were they're almost a playoff team. What do you think, Rich? Who are your best additions to the league this split? Here's my problem with, with the whole like Niski narrative in general is that loads of people seem to be having their cake and eating it, which is that the all pro or the voting or whatever for the best coaching staff went to Mad Lions, right? And loads of people are also talking about how Niski is the MVP of the league. In my opinion, both of these things cannot be true because what the Mad Lions coaching staff did which we can give them props for, is bringing in Niski and putting him in the team. So if that's the case, and they're responsible in part for the best roster move or whatever, then how is it possible that they're the best coaches as well as Niski being the bet, like the MVP? Like, unless you're saying that Niski before was not a great player, but he has now been built up to be this because of coaching. But we know that's objectively not true because we've seen what Niski's done before. We've seen what Niski on Mad before, a slightly different lineup, but whatever, right? So... To me, this is this whole thing's a nonsense. Those two things cannot simultaneously be true because the added value cannot be the same. Like, no, the reason why you are the best coaching staff in that case is because you put someone in the team who then like played his brains out. It seems highly unlikely that both of those things would be true to me. So, yeah, I think Niski obviously is the best roster move, but it's the same reason why I'm also not gonna. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think though, what you're saying now, I, I have a problem with that narrative in general as well, mate. Because here's the problem. It's a valid narrative. Like, you can obviously say it. Like, if you looked at how he played, like, Niski could be your MVP. He does play the most influential role mid lane. He did come into a team that wasn't looking that great. Everyone's, but yeah, you know, there's a lot of reasons you could. My problem is, if you notice, for some reason, Rich, the people who make that case refuse to actually make it like a proper fucking comparison. All they'll do is make it a linear cause and effect like this. Niski wasn't in the team and they didn't make playoffs he did join the team and they were the best in the LEC now I tried to do this I had an episode with Dom where I tried to broach this but I just get the vibe he didn't want to go down this route sadly and he had sort of a bit set because again I tried to make the point like yeah but it's not like I can only have Rika my choice wasn't like Rika or Niski and it's some like binary thing like in this scenario the problem I have with the angle that just because Niski replaces Rika everything after that is all on him is like couldn't I put half a dozen other of these LEC mid laners in the same team? Wouldn't the team get better? Like, I'm sorry, if I put Nuke Duck in the Mad Lions and they just going to also not make the playoffs, they'd probably still be like top four team. I'd imagine like a lot of people in the league would say he knows what he's doing. Again, look at the other players. What if Vethio joined that team? Remember, that was like a potential move. Maybe they signed Vethio. You tell them they also wouldn't improve, they would. So I also feel like on that angle, like for some reason, despite the fact they think it's such a conclusive argument, people aren't really willing to have the actual discussion on that, what it feels yeah, like. Yeah, I think, I think my issue with it is that as outsiders, obviously, Obviously, there are only certain aspects that we can see. And if someone believes that Niski is an MVP candidate or is the MVP, 
then I am not going to give the coaching staff that uh, that honor as well of being the best coaching staff because to me it doesn't make sense with the uh, the limited information that we have both it's highly unlikely in my opinion that both of those would be true based on that information now again for all we know they they could have coached him up a ridiculous amount we don't know that but I've not seen anything new from Niski I've just seen a person who had all the requisite skill sets to unlock that team again and he was brought in and that was a good decision but beyond that I could I can reverse engineer it like this let's say I bring Niski in and then all the coaching staff get fired and are replaced with new coaching staff. I think they'd be in the exact same place. I think just them putting Niski into that team unlocked the team. I was also talking with um, a couple of people on, on EuroLeague about it and, and getting some insight into like what his comms are and everything. And apparently he's like, he is the general inside the rift and he's micromanaging everyone and he's doing everything and he's hugely impactful on communication and not just his roams and how he's able to apply pressure around the map. Like, okay, that's fine. Then that's that is on him. And I'm by the way, I think the the mad coaching staff, ba again based on what we know on now, a fairly extensive history, probably one of the best coaching staffs in the league. But that singular move, I think I could, I think I could fire Mac, I could fire whoever, put whoever in, and they would have still have been noticeably better. So all I'm really saying is, bearing in mind that Niski is a legitimate MVP candidate, I am not willing to give Mad who finished it's not like they had an amazing split it's not like they went undefeated or something they just went up to the par of what people thought they would be before spring right so yeah i i i don't i i don't buy that at all um but i think in terms of a roster move and so far as obviously they were part of that decision yeah nailed it of course like absolutely great decision so to me yeah i mean the best roster move has to be niski just because it had the biggest overall impact in terms of what we can at least see as a single roster move and, and to your point as well thorin about astralis that's the thing with Astralis, right? It's like you've got Yonghoon and Xerxes. They look like they were both really good moves. So they kind of shared the credit in a sense as well in, in that they both had a really positive impact. Whereas obviously Mad only brought in the one player who had a very big impact. So as a singular move, you can say Mad and you can say as, you know, the team that made the best moves, then you could argue between Mad and Astralis. But yeah, I think, I think Niski was the best singular move. I think this is a difficulty anytime you're bringing in coaching decisions and and impact into into the equation is like there's just literally no way it, it's it's purely speculative it's why i'm surprised there's even an award for it on on the lec like even players within uh within the lec who you would think maybe would have the best insights don't know what the other team's coaching staff systems are like and even within that specific uh team you know even if you are being coached by this person the, the the varying individuals within that team will have different opinions on how how much impact that actual coach coach is having like by the way so, we don't even so know fun. whose decision it was like the thing is if i say oh you all voted mad the best coaching staff and i said why 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 are they the best coaching staff all they'd be able to say is well, you know maybe they like their drafts or whatever as well but realistically all they'd be able to say is well they improved a lot their like yeah. team fighting was a bit better but i mean you know niski he changed everything it's like right okay so if we're basing it on the fact that you brought in Niski, how do you know that it was Max's decision or one of his coaching staff? It could have been the owners. There have been plenty of times, by the way, when ownership has pulled rank and made a roster decision that maybe the coaching staff don't even agree with. And again, I have no idea. I assume that Mac had, it was probably Mac's decision or that coaching staff decision. But I don't believe that they know that. I don't believe that everyone who is given power to vote on that decision knows that if that's true or not. So they're just guessing that Mac is the one who made that decision or that coaching staff as a whole made that decision. Whereas for all they fucking know, it could be overactive media. 
Like they have no no clue. Here's so. the thing. Even though I totally agree with what you said there, Fox Up, because it's the classic setup that we always try to do on talk shows to make people understand we are obviously just guessing what people are doing in teams. Even though like that is all correct, and like no one can really from the outside like know who said what and who was what's idea and what did the player ever say, you know, all that jazz. Even so, I actually do think that still the way we do the voting for these things is utterly stupid. Like in my opinion, put it this way, I wouldn't give myself a vote for this. I'm just a layman watching and using narratives. What I would want if I want the people to like I'll give you an example go watch the episode I just did with Dom on my last episode last week about LEC where I bring Jensen go on right and the reason I brought this guy on my show is because he's a guy who uses a really interesting analytical lens which is basically how teams set up on the map he uses like styles as the way to contrast teams not like just raw where they are in the world or who the players are so for example he was breaking down LEC to be like teams that are like farm centric versus like trying to control the map right I want someone like that to be the person trying to guess if someone had a really great coach because that's someone who can see the sort of hidden hand behind the game. He can see like what are the win conditions that the team knows and is setting up. Did they actually get a gank off because they were setting up a wave like three waves earlier? Like I can't see that stuff and not and plebs can't see that and people who are just talent on the broadcast and watching the game live can't always see that. You want basically I would want the coach of the award to be people like Monty, like I say the experts, like the guys, the guys who you would bring on the show to tell you about league. They're the people who'd have a chance at least of guessing did someone do something brilliant. Because there's the thing, I suspect personally those people would say misfits coaching staff based on like they solved the draft they weren't able to be even even by the way when they when everyone here's how you know they did a great job when they initially solved it no one even said they solved it we were like they found one thing that works and they band-aided it we actually took it as like the like it was their desperation whereas the joke is no one could crack that draft by the end like you actually saw in that game where Fnatic intentionally fucked their draft up once and won with it like that's what people could have been doing the whole time but no one figured that out until the last week believe it or not like it worked so in a mad way if you come in with an underpowered roster and you just like solve the league for a month or something like that's fucking that's impressive mate very much so i think this is yeah that's it's it's well said and i remember when i was on lec and they asked me to vote for whatever like all these awards and stuff and i remember just thinking like wait what <laughs> Why? Why me? I was like, I don't fucking know. Like, the I, time, if fun. people don't know, half the time, if someone puts you on the spot like that, you're you, you generally just doing stuff like going, I mean, when I talk to Young Buck, he seems to know yeah. a lot about the game. You're just yeah. doing stuff like that. That's like what you've ordered off, isn't it? Like, you can't, you've got, there's no basis, there's no metrics, you know? Yeah, it is. It is <laughs> like, and even, even within like casters, for example, like there's people like me who just, I didn't think, I would be like, you, I don't think I really deserve a vote. Like, I'm not. I don't feel like I'm in any position more. I'm I'm kind of just like a fan, but who talks about it? You know, oh, I might exactly. be like yeah. of the broadcast, but that doesn't make me, you know, anything special. Um, but then there are some casters who are proper like nerdy about it and who are really into it and are people who you would like bring on a broadcast, as you were saying, Thorin. So like some people definitely, but like it's just it's such a crap shoot with that stuff. Like it's 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 so weird. Is there something you wanted to say, uh, Rich, before we move on? To no, I was just going to say I used to I used to have arguments with a, a certain very guessable person about this kind of thing, where they would literally say to me like I he'd say like oh, you know or what you really think that player's good or whatever, and I was like yeah I think like as as a as a top yeah I think he's good, and they're like you're only saying that because uh, Oddo told you he's really good and explained to you why he's really good. Yeah, no shit. One of the best top laners in the world told me he's good and explained to me why he's good. And I could see with my eyes and hear with my ears why they're good. Yes, you're right. I have stolen his opinion in that sense. Yes, correct. Like, I'd be a fucking idiot if I didn't, wouldn't I? Rather than you sitting there drinking your fucking coffee. Like, what are we doing? 
Well, you know what's sad is that this is one of the weird things about my career because I get to come into league and even though I actually have been here for years and years, like the joke is I was here before most of the people who tell me to get out of league. Like I've always in some level, like, I always do feel a little bit like a tourist. Like even though I've been in the game a long time, it's never going to be my home game and I'm obviously not from League of Legends. But like the joke is in League of Legends, because I'm not the expert, I really am just like a total like, let's just have great convos, guys. It's great that you have a different take. <laughs> you know? But in league, in CSGO, I am that insufferable bastard if people don't know. Like I do think all my takes are right and I hate everyone who has like that. <laughs> Like, that's actually true. It's 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 like the perspective I'm gaining on it. It's so weird to see outside because like I can totally. That's how basically I would say stuff like, "You'll just say that Moses because you fucking that player told you he's your mate." Like you don't really know if he's better. Like no, that's it. That's how you become unfortunate when you try and be like the mega expert. It's true. <laughs> You become like a golem. You become some sort of golem esque creature with your knowledge of the game. It's mine, it's only mine. I only must have it. Like you do, you become sort of a bit fucked up. Let's move on to our next awards here. Uh, We've done the best roster move. Now let's talk about the best rookie. My personal vote for this one would go to Irrelevant from Misfits. What about you two? Thorin, who's your best rookie of LECs? What's weird is, obviously, especially in the past, we didn't used to do a lot of changes between splits, so normally this would be a terrible one. Like, I actually think, like, the irrelevant one's a good shout. I think I might go for uh, Yonghoon on this one, because I just think, like... I still can't even believe, mate, some of the games that he had this split. Like, if you don't know, even in some of the games they lost, he would make, like, mad players and do, like, really crazy shit. So it's like, just the raw... Look, I know it's the easiest factor to go off, but just the raw, like, pop on the screen of this player. Remember, there's a world where the the whole reason why the aforementioned but not mentioned veteran always used to hate (laughs) uh, Korean players is because... They were more in the vein of the moves and the fucking spirits and the gorillas of the world. They never really came and banged out and had their best splits here. So, like, I can get why people were skeptical. But if you remember, as I said earlier in the split, when this guy started to pop off, dude, I think him and Malrang are actually going to change the meta in Europe. I think you are going to see teams where it's like, why, if we're going to gamble on ERL players, well, we're all gambling on them. So, why don't I gamble? Why don't I be the one that gambles on a, on a Korean or maybe even a Chinese player? So, I think actually he's going to change the LEC, in my opinion. So, I've got to go Yonghoon because I actually think. Again, just raw eye test was really impressive to me. I never could have expected this player would be this good. Fair enough. Feeling home for you. What do you think on this one, Rich? Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's, it's between those two for sure. The thing is, like, to Thorin's point, because I'm, I'm taking Yonghoon as well, But and the thing is, it's like, he is just more standout-ish, and obviously the counter-argument argument to that is, okay, but he plays support, so there's more champions, perhaps, in this meta where you can pop off the screen. and oh, tons, but, yeah. But the thing is... I just don't really care because there's a bit of a trash award anyway, isn't it? So I'm just going to take the guy yeah. who looks like a fucking baller. I'm just going to, in that sense, I'm going to, I'm just going to side with the guy who looks like a complete baller. I do think Irrelevance probably had like the more consistently sound play throughout, let's say. But I just think that Yonghoon has taken over multiple games on his own. And I can't say the same for Irrelevant. I think Irrelevant, when he's done well, has done his job very serviceably well. But um, yeah, I think Yonghoon straight up carried a bunch of games. So I'll go with him. I like, uh, yeah, I think both of those are good, are good choices. And I'm, I think I'm more excited about Yonghoon's future than Irrelevant's future personally. Um, though I believe Irrelevant had like a, a really good split. Um, oh mate, when I see that guy, there's another thing people don't think about. Mate, imagine if he like played with fucking neon or something like, made, yeah. like one of those bot lanes. Like that, that, that could be really exciting because think how many good bot lanes we'd have then. Yeah, exactly. Let's move on to our unsung hero awards. This is uh, for the player that isn't isn't getting enough enough love, but was really really good this split. Okay. Um, 
I'm just trying to think actually. Who would I? Who would I choose for this one? This is a good, a good question. I'm not yeah. sure. Um, I think I'm going to go way, on unique on this one. So okay, okay. So uh, let's go with you then, Thorin. Okay. Then I want to hear all right. your, your unique suggestions. Yeah, because here's the thing. There's. I actually think this. Uh, by the way, this is one of the best categories you can have for one of these sorts of shows because it's so open ended, and obviously you can pick like what your reasoning as to why you pick. So I think there are tons you can go with. Like there are so many angles you can go. But what I'm going to say is this. I'm going to try and use things I've heard recently, like essentially, because the key thing here is we're sort of also gauging public perception. Like, so I'll give you an example. Yeah. If I had never read any Reddit, I actually maybe would have said the irrelevant guy, but actually I've seen tons of people have commented now and they seem to have noticed that he did well. Similarly, I would say like, even though, because he got robbed of the Spring Split Rookie Award, I actually thought there was a period in the split where people weren't mentioning or Unforgiven, but I noticed he got like the first fucking yeah, all yeah. LAC team, which might even be too much, by the way. They might have overegged the put on that one. So if I take into account all these people who seem to be getting, if any more than the due credit I think the guy I'm actually going to pick it's going to sound like a fucking boomer pick but I'm picking him on purpose I'm going to pick Nuke Doc from XL this team was the best team in the league at one point in time and remember the, the most important position will always be mid lane there's a reason why Niski's about to get the MVP like seemingly unanimously from like media or whatever because that is always considered the pivotal position in the game so if you can be top of the league in one of the better teams like, you must be doing it and also if you just go and watch when they start to lose games because obviously XL lost tons of games in the second half of the split you're going to think they must have just been shit as a team definitely not you go and look like Finn and Mickey X are having nightmare games mate mm -hmm. Nuke Duck's having games where he's just still he's still putting you in a position where if they don't in you could win the game or you could come back in the game like he was looking great like he had some great Talia games himself when that champion came out like I thought throughout the split think of the champions this guy can play Lissandre like he plays all the fucking champions you want in this meta so I actually thought this was a split I thought he did pretty well I thought unfortunately like the team narrative has dragged him down and people would think naively because if this was the old narrative, like, well, imagine XL, but with a better mid. It's like, mate, actually, from the way they played, like, I imagine a different sort of mid, even if he was more skilled, might have lost more games, in my opinion. Just a take I have. Okay, I like that. New Doug here, the duck here for Thorin. What's, uh, who's your unsung hero, Rich? Yeah, so the thing is, I, I think I may... I don't know if I picked him for mid-season, but I think Nuke Duck was on my list during the mid-season thing, and I think he was merited that. I don't think Nuke Duck has been very good overall in the second half of the split. I do think, obviously, Finn is the most egregious. He's just completely fucking collapsed. And Mickey's been flip, basically, like the second half of the split. He's had a couple of good games, but he's also, as Thorin said, had some horror shows. I do actually think Nuke Duck's performances have dipped quite a lot in the second half of the split, so I wouldn't give it to him. But if he had been consistent as he was from sort of week one up until now, then I think he'd be a great shout. But the person I'm going to give it to... Um, I think probably a fairly obvious one, even though if I look on Reddit now, probably he's getting some love or has got some love in the last few weeks. I think it's Xerxy because I think when um, the split was uh, getting underway I and Australis were clearly visibly better than they had been in the previous split. And obviously there was a lot of talk about Yonghoon because again, he was popping off. He was a talking point. I think Xerxy, especially in the first half of the split, was just very silently going through his progressions and being like a very solid jungler that no one was really talking about at all. And then I think in the second half of the split, same thing. But I think because he had been this stalwart all the way through, I think people started picking it up a bit late on. So maybe it's not the best answer in the sense that maybe it might be the case that if I went and checked Reddit, a lot of people are now singing Xerxes' praises. But I think overall, in terms of the entire split, I think for at least the first half of the split, I barely even heard the guy's name. So I'm just going to do it on that basis and, and I'm going to say Xerxes. 
By the way, if I was going solely off fans, I actually think the most night and day contracts, I've discussed it so many times in the show, is actually perks. Like, I can't even comprehend how fans have viewed his entire split, mate. If you don't know, they act like that last week was him the entire split, basically. Whereas, like, before that last week, he was probably an MVP candidate. So I would have mm. gone perks, but like I say, I actually always thought he was good in the whole split, though. So I don't, I, I feel like the people who are in the know know that he's actually good. So I'm not going to do that one. I'm, uh, I might go a little bit off board here and say, Maybe like Maorang is a bit unsung because I think he's still kind of like the engine of Rogue's success. Uh, but you know, he didn't make any of the old pro teams, he wasn't really in the in the spotlight much for for Rogue, like as, as like conducive to their success. Like when, when you talk about Rogue, people don't necessarily talk about him. There was recently even like a too wild in general, if you notice. Rogue players just don't get many of yeah. the old LEC splits this time. Even though like the team continues to win loads of games, they just don't get many of those awards. It seems like yeah, he's uh though his comp got second, Odo and Trimby got third, so no Larson and no no Maring. But I remember watching a uh, Which by the way, if we want to use the logic you said earlier, Rich, so let's just think about this, right? If I finish one game behind the leaders of the entire league and I only had what was that, the fucking second uh I had second team ADC and then two third team players, I'm the coaching staff of the splits. Logical, right? Totally how could I not be? How else did we win the games? Like that's why I hate fucking because I agree with you, Rich. What you gotta do on this, which people never do. You notice I always stress this point. You have to think of what your metrics are before you make your decision. You can't do it afterwards, because otherwise what you do is what everyone does is they go, Well, I like this player, so I'll pick these reasons for him, and then I don't like this guy, so I'll pick these. It's like the reasons have got to be consistent. Because in this case, yeah, you have to actually be able to explain how this guy's your MVP and then this is also your coaching stuff. Because that could happen, but it'd have to be a really extreme scenario. And you'd have to have a reason why, wouldn't you? Yeah. I don't think... Yeah, I read... think... Oh, sorry, Karen Fox. Uh, I, uh, what was I going to say? I think I think that was... Uh, I can't, yeah, I think that was basically... Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was it, for, me, it? <laughs> for me, if I'm honest, I I have not been very impressed with Maorang. I've been impressed with him in individual games. I think he's had a couple of insane poppy games, for example, where it's like he literally won those games on his own with just insane positioning. But I think his early pathing has been pretty suspect throughout. I think basically every team in the league now knows how what Maorang's default jungling style is. And I think he needs to adapt him and larson for me both need to adapt going into playoffs quite a lot if rogue are going to be competitive because i think both of them had down splits um larson wasn't bad by the way by any means but for him he was below his normal par and i i, I don't think Maorang had a good split honestly i think he had some good games but i don't think he was good i remember watching the uh this is what i was gonna say um i was watching like a one of those we ask the players type thing and uh they said who you know who would you pick as your like ideal team and uh almost everyone said Maoring as their jungler or it was like it was like Capsiankos right Capsiankos was was if you could pick if you could draft you know you're the GM you, you draft any any players onto your team um they picked Capsiankos Caps and Yankos together because mid jungle whatever and obviously they're like baller but um, almost everyone else said uh, said they'd have Maoring as their jungler. So really, 
The problem yeah. with that, I know what he means. That if you go to the screen at the end where it shows like the thing, because they've got like a bleeder board at the end. The problem with that is there's two things there, Foxtrot. One, that's caused their thinking of all the scrims where like Malrang does some crazy invade yeah. and kills him at level three. And they're like, I wish that was my jungler. And it's like, yeah. yeah, you don't, because you don't know the games where he does that and like dies there. And like the whole game's fucked. Like you don't ever have to experience that. And then the other thing I would say is this the funniest one of the players when they did that, there was two that I thought were really funny and interesting. One was just to fuck with Yankos. Wonder says he'd pick Broken Blade as his top and he'd be the jungler and then the rest of the team's yeah. just G2, which is like, he's yeah. doing that just to fuck with Yankos, obviously. And then the one I thought was really interesting, because it actually would be an amazing team, is Caps is such a G. He just wanted to make the G2 team, but he'd let perks be made and he'd be the top laner. Oh, mate! That's a fucking banger in itself right there. <laughs> And also, the, oh, the other thing was, when Wonder also was picking his team, he says he's going to make Perks the bot laner. And then obviously he realises in the moment, like, he doesn't play bot lane anymore. And so because he's Wonder, he just goes, I'd just tell him, like, what are you doing trying to play mid? Like, you can't do that. Just you <laughs> play bot lane again. And in this, in this, even in a fantasy scenario, he's just imagining telling Perks, like, yeah, I'm going to actually force you to play bot lane. Like, it is ideal team. I love that. It's so stupid. Because he's, like, <laughs> press-ganging someone into an ideal team. Like, he doesn't even want to play in that position. Like, that's these, in it. Hello. these player interviews always crack me up like I, I i'm a huge fan of the ones where they, they bring out uh flags team nationalities oh, it just goes yeah. to show, like, oh mate some of those are so embarrassing though yeah. like the ones i can't handle yeah. is the ones where like like even simple ones where i, I know it, listen part of it by the way if you're a fan is because when the lights are on you and you've got like a timer and stuff you you do have brain farts and you do get like it's harder to remember stuff but some of them yeah. are mad embarrassing like they would be going like they'd be looking and be going right the, what year what year and team is this draft from and there's people really saying stuff going like right there's five bands so what is that 2016 you're like <laughs> what what and there would be people where like the draft dude would eat because that one was really embarrassing i thought that one that was the famous drafts like dude they were throwing them up rich like this and i was going like this is a joker this is easy mode like yeah. tf jungle tf jungle and people were going i don't know what you is it season shit like what are you talking about like, there's only been one game like ever like ever it's the most famous one of all time. i know it's metal in it like that's that's what i mean that's not even in it. that's what that, that that one champion's giving that whole draft away but you don't need yeah. to all the rest it's easy in it like it's ruined it i think there's our bag of segments though because the joke is fox drop the actual comedy seems to just be that they don't know the answers it actually would be boring yeah. if they got it all if they all got like yeah. 40 out of 50 i think that segment would suck it's better because they just and when they get it wrong it's like the game they actually int they don't just get it wrong they'll say mad shit like they'll just go like what korean support what's that like mad life you're like you never played it you know what i mean like they'll always do some crazy guests like that like some mad one yeah. you don't even think i know by the way the, the yeah. other thing on on malrang i suspect is because the guy's like 1600 lp so i think a lot of these players when they, oh, they when go. they he's don't probably on their team info, getting yeah. the lp yeah exactly. and then when yeah. he's not on their yes. team because obviously Maorang's play style is very conducive to winning yes. solo queue games so it's always like oh my team is Maorang, i guess we're gonna win or whatever so oh yeah. by the way this because this is relevant to this actual segment i'll tell you the most interesting difference between pros and fans is if you look on that ideal team look how many of them picked upset as their adc yeah Dude, most of the pros in the LEC want upset as their ADC. Meanwhile, fans are all telling you, he fucking sucks. Like, and that's the real take on him, by the way. The real take on Fnatic fans, I don't know how this is possible, is like upset is the one that sucks. Like, what? <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that, that's the craziest take of all time for me, but okay. I think I think Malrang also, uh, he, he plays purely for his teammates. You know, like, oh, for sure. he's the kind of guy you want on, on your team. Like, he is gonna, he's going to make that happen. Anyway... 
let's uh, let's move on to our next award here from our unsung hero to the leader award. Now the leader award is the person. It's essentially the the LEC's Darde award. The person who came in with high expectations and completely fell flat on their face. We expected a little bit more of them, and they just did not deliver. Am I correct in in summarizing that, Rich? Yeah, I just I feel like. I feel like 5% bad for the naming of this award. Like, I feel like I want someone to just fall from the sky and be absolutely perfect because I feel like it's slightly unfair. And I still feel like there are certain scenarios and teams where a leader could theoretically have worked out. So I don't feel oh, amazing about Maybe it. He'll, uh, but it's the most fitting name from Europe still, I think. I can't really think of someone who had that much hype and delivered so little. So fuck it. So who is going to be our leader of uh, of the 22 summer summer split here, Rich? Who's your pick? I think, to be honest, I think this is really easy. I'm just glancing now at some the, the whole entire roster of LEC just to see if there's anyone who's like going to jump off the screen more than this guy. But I think it has to be Hillisang, doesn't it? Like, in terms of... Because obviously, again, the, the uh, idea is someone who is either has massive expectations because they have a huge reputation or because they've done it a million times before, Hillisang will be the latter. And of course, Hillisang has a history of doing like what we call like a baby so as where maybe he's not at his absolute best and he's very choppy throughout the regular season, but you know, come the crunch moments, whatever. But basically Hillisang was garbage all the way through the season, if we're honest. Uh, and I can't think of a player who has a bigger reputation and played as badly. I mean, Humanoid you could mention as well, but the thing is, Humanoid was way below his mad playing last split as well. He was not the humanoid that we saw on mad. So, um, yeah, for me, I think it has to be Hillisang. I think maybe I'm missing someone obvious, but I, I feel like he's an obvious one. I think you could put a lot of uh, a lot of Fnatic's team, honestly, yeah. in that one. Like, well, actually, yeah, especially with considering Hillisang like an MVP worthy split last split. You know. It, yeah. If if Atero didn't win it, it would have been here, let's say. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. He's not really had a very good split in some. Who's your pick for this one then, uh, Rich? Uh, Thorin, sorry, not Rich. I think this is actually a really tough one because I actually think it's harder than Rich thinks. Like, the problem with that one is, like, some of that's, like, historical. Like... It's true, no one could know Hillisang would be as bad as he was, but he also fucked up the playoffs. So, like, in the same way as Humanoid sort of had that mark on him of, like, they have to get it back together. True, obviously, I would have picked them, like, I had them to be my number one team if people do I would have figured they'd turn it around. So, like, it's maybe unexpected, but I also think you could put a bunch of other people in there. Like, I'll give you an example. If I'm thinking purely about the split, the split I have to say Mickey X is a candidate immediately because he was the saviour of XL last split. He was looking awesome in the first few games, if you remember. Yeah. And mate, the way he ended the split, like... Thought he had some pretty egregious hints, in my opinion, because he did those ones that actually were in the vein of a Hillisang, by the way, where it's like you do like the flash hook off like two screens when like your opponent isn't even on your screen. It's like, how is he supposed to follow up to that, mate? Like, the problem with those ones is if you are those players, because I know you have to gamble. And all sometimes teammates fuck you up and don't follow up. But that was like at the end there. That almost was the vibe to me of like, those are like panic fucking players. That's like, you think you're losing the game anyways. You're like, fuck it. Every time just pull the trigger, pull the trigger, go for it. And like, those are the ones where it's like, even you sort of know as you're going in on that queue, like this threshold is fucked up, isn't it? Like I should never have gone in on this, but at the end we're losing the game slowly. So damned if I do, damned if I don't. Because like, I actually think most people would say, he should, he's going to be like, I mean, at the beginning of the split, he was a candidate for MVP. He's definitely going to be like all LEC support. I think the way that ended was pretty shocking. Like, seems like his stock's at an all-time low at the end of the split. 
Yeah. I think he's a candidate. Yeah, the, the only reason I wouldn't, because I, I think that is a good shout. The only reason I wouldn't have him is because, as you pointed out, he did actually start the split very well. He was a big part of why they got off to the decent start. So, and to me, Hillisang had probably, I mean, he probably did have a good game, right? But I cannot think of a single game he didn't in, basically. So, yeah, that's why I give him the nod. That's also why, by the way, I find the whole upset, like, hit narrative so weird. It's like, mate, can you not empathise with being that ADC with that fucking support player? Like, how is anyone supposed to win in that scenario? I'm actually amazed he kept his mental together. Yeah. Let's move on to our next uh, our next award then. Um, <laughs> I don't know why you've chosen to include this one, but I like it. The least annoying broadcast talent. Now, can you tell me what the difference is between the least annoying broadcast talent and the best broadcast talent, Rich? Well, it's very simple. Best broadcast talent has very positive connotations, doesn't it? Whereas least annoying makes it sound like they're all shit, but maybe one of them slightly more tolerable than the rest. So right. knowing if anyone has ever watched this show for 10 minutes or more, they can probably see why I chose that instead of the former. So I'll say no more. Okay. Now, you, you realise you've got me here on... on wobbly wobbly surface yep. because like i i yeah so i'm just gonna let you two take this one away and you can you can say what you actually i do have a choice for this as well but i'll let you two start who is your least annoying broadcast talent rich <sighs> see the thing is i'm a bit up i'm a bit disappointed with cadrell because if you'd asked me like a year ago and said this award's going to exist on your silly show and who are you going to pick for it and you have to project into the future i'd have thought probably cadrell but i actually think he's regressed recently unfortunately i think he's just trying too hard to buy into what he thinks people want rather than doing what actually got him to the dance like He's also, there's... if you notice, becoming sort of a duo slash pairing yes. with people. So I, I feel he's also adapting to them in a way. You yeah, know? and there's too much forced interplay between those people, like especially like med him, Medic, and Vedius. Like it's just it's a bit contrived at this point. Like you are the smartest in-game guy on the broadcast, and you do have the skill to articulate these ideas well. So just use that. But like, you know what? The joke is that we're in the same way as I actually semi ruined CSGO discs because all of a sudden you had guys who were nerds trying to do like fucking as though it's like comedy at the Impala or something like you're like the fuck like don't in the same way dude, the joke is Monty and Dora fucking ruined League of Legends casting because every duo since has <laughs> yes. tried to incorporate that like in joke style and spoiler that's that that's exactly the main offender in my opinion of why Frostgorn and Dracos did that terrible world semi-final like two years ago is like thinking that you can do that like it's cause everyone's dreams like imagine we were like Monty and Dora and love for our personal it's like they were a very unique duo mate like yeah. that, I don't think you'll ever see that again so it's a mistake to try and force that in my opinion so hard to do yeah and even like i've even feel now he's gone so all in that even some of his ideas are just somewhat tailored to reddit opinions and mainstream narratives like he as i said he is to me he is the smartest in-game person on the desk and that should so be yeah, rich rich obviously sets these topics up if people don't know so he himself has set <laughs> this up but then he's just used just it to explain like instead of going to who is the least annoying he's just describing everyone who annoys him now and in detail like <laughs> But, to, to but it's like fair, he's covering himself like well I had to do it I had to answer the question like, to you fair, set the question up I know to be fair it is it is a double you know backhanded with brass knuckles compliment it's true because it is. I do think he has the he has been the best analyst on the desk I'm explaining why to me right now he no longer is 
Um, this whole segment is just Cadrill. This is how you can yes. annoy me less and become the best again. Like, yeah, exactly. Wake up, Cadrill. <laughs> okay. Come on. It's a bit indulgent, but okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, for me, it's between. I think. I don't. See, this is the thing, because as you say, I had this idea in my head when I was doing this award, but I didn't actually think up an answer, did I? I just, <laughs> I just wrote down one word, which says... Well, you got to go... For this one, it's got to be from your gut, because like, yeah, being annoyed it's... is just a feeling, isn't it? So like, come on, from I mean, your gut, for me, who is for it? Me, for me, it's either Nymera or Goldberg, just on the basis that they have the fewest affectations. Like, they just do the job they're paid to do. I used to really like... Here we go, back into it. I used to really like Dracos <laughs> as well, because I thought yeah. Dracos was just a good play-by-play caster. But his award voting has been so horrendous. Actually, this year it wasn't that bad, but previous split... I mean, Dracos is like number one offender for fucking horrible voting awards, so he's pissed me off. So, yeah, it's not him either. So, I'll, I'll say I'll say Nymera, because I think is a slightly better caster overall than Goldborg, probably. But I, I like both of them, and as I said, neither of them have any annoying affectations, really. They just cast, and they don't try and be something that they're not, or copy other people. So, yeah. I'll say Nymera. I am going to also say Nymera for this one. So, I believe that all of the young, all of the fresh bloods, more or less, that's come into the, hmm, that's come into the. So, okay, I I think the the way that LEC has kind of adapted their broadcast talent is because Ender left them very suddenly and they're like, shit, we need someone else here because other casters are realizing like they want time off now. You know, they 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 want to have like their holiday weekends. They don't want to be on every show. It's no longer that kind of like that that huge like dream where you're. Uh, oh my goodness, I'm on an LEC cast, so I'm going to be there all the time. It's like you live and breathe LEC. No, now it's more of like a job to people. So um, I, I think when people started getting that opinion, like the casters started getting that opinion, there was a higher demand for uh, like them having like time off, basically. And um, so they needed they needed to fill Ender's, uh, the, the gap that Ender left by all intents rather suddenly. Um and I think some of the people have been rushed onto the LEC. Like these are people that were, you know, like even me working in the in the regional leagues, like the the UK scene. These were people that were considered like maybe not ready for like the big situations in the in the ERLs in the regional scene. They still need like they're not bad casters by any means. They obviously have potential and stuff. Just purely a sense of. You know, they just need time. And then next split, they're in LEC type thing. Um, like, it was a big deal for them to even get onto, like, EU Masters, say, for example. That's like a big jump in their in their career. And then they, they, they make LEC straight away after. Um, I think Riot's done them a bit of a disservice by just, like, slapping them straight into it. However, having said that, I don't also know that the behind-the-scenes uh, situations where... Like, have they have they fostered that talent nicely and actually worked with them to make sure they're going to be there and, and do a good job and actually play towards their specific strengths? I'm not sure if that makes sense, but basically, like, what I what I'm trying to say there is like when I went into EULCS and NEC, because I was probably one of the first, like, I, I think I was probably was the first person who like joined LEC as like a guest, you know, as like a guest caster. Like it was all set in stone. Like you had you had these people, and sometimes new people joined. But I was the first one who would come in and was there a few times, but not all the time, right? And 
I was kind of made to fit a very specific mold, which didn't really suit me. And in hindsight, it was like, this mold sucks. <laughs> like, it it doesn't necessarily suck. Okay, I, I believe that mold sucks. And it's like, why, you know, I should have, you know, you just, just got to be there and play to your strengths and all that lovely business. And I... I, from what I see on the broadcast, the new talent that's coming in is being able to do that. And that's what I really appreciate about it. And specifically, because I'm going on a rant here, with Nymera, uh, I've been really impressed with the fact that he's, he's just, he's very knowledgeable about the game and he's able to deliver it in a, in a way that's just very natural. A lot of the new talent feel very natural to me when I watch them. They don't feel like they've been manufactured and, and, and like, um crafted by riot to be casters you know and they're just they're just not you know they've just come up because they enjoy casting they've done their thing you know and, and for me that was always something that gave me gave me a bit of an ick honestly when it came to when it came to like the yeah like the casting in 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 riot stuff in general is like it feels like these people are manufactured casters rather than people who just enjoy casting so namira i think it's been really good I really like him, but I think a lot of the people who are new to the LEC have done uh, have done well. So I'm excited with that moving on, moving forward as well. By the still way, some people who I want to see on the show. Still yeah, sorry, but yet. before you go to Thorin, something weird is going on. I can only assume something's weirds going on with um, NLC because basically NLC. All their talent does LEC. Yeah, yeah. and N NLC is fucking tiny. Like NLC. I is think the... that's the reason why, mate. Here's the thing: Riot aren't smart. I think that's them, like transparently being like, if you want to be on LEC, come and work on this dog shit little UK yeah. league. I think <laughs> but, it's sort of like a sinister. Like this is your path to pro. But it's crazy. Know? Like it, Nymera, Goldberg, troubling. Oh, they're now mad overqualified for Yamada. NLC. It's the joke when you see the lineup. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yamada. <laughs> it's like, what are we doing? It's like. If if you're on like the Northern Lion like LFL, obviously LFL for people who don't know way bigger, like literally a hundred times bigger in terms of viewership than than fucking NLC. It's like no, sorry, it's like it's it's this weird counterintuitive death sentence. It's like if you want to cast in the ERLs, <laughs> you best get yourself on the in the NLC. Otherwise, apparently you're not going to be looked at. What I do know is that the NLC studio is in Berlin. And I can only assume that has something to do with it as well, like logistically or something. But if you get a call, I'll just say this for any aspiring caster. If you get a call and someone says, do you want to come to NLC? And you're like, oh, I'm considering a prime league. Or a... No, 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 you're not. Go, get on the fucking plane and go to NLC. Because apparently that is just <laughs> a fast track now to fucking LEC, as, as weird as that seems because of how fucking small and irrelevant it is. But... Is very I think, strange. by the way, it probably oh, helps. Brain, by the way, Nymera's brother as well. So it's five. It's Yamada Troubling, Nymera, oh, his hit, brother. His uh, brother's initialized, yeah, not, not his brain. Yeah, yeah, sorry. And the uh, guy yeah. from Blast, the Aferion or whatever, that guy, that Portuguese guy who does all the fucking yeah. shit stage stuff that I think's mega overrated, yeah. but you all love for some reason because <laughs> you're fucking Zoomers. Uh, what is your profession? Oh, no, I haven't heard that one before. Yeah, and fucking Goldberg. Like, it's crazy. Basically, the entire... Probably the fucking I mean, I can literally tell well. you. I they do all. I will say, but they do all also do like skit type stuff. I think that helps. They sort of show they have the vibe of LEC too. Yeah. So the reason why the NLC is a pipeline to LEC is because LEC is the English broadcast, and so is NLC. Like the French, the French stuff and the German, the primary and stuff like that. They're all they do it in their native language, which no, but they have. As I said, like Northern Lion is the English cast for LFL, and that still and, gets I, more viewership than NLC does. And those, yeah, I mean, yeah, and I guess it sucks. Like, if they actually wanted to make it to LEC, 
the next step for them is to be invited onto the NLC. Yeah, yeah. And then maybe they'll get onto LEC, like, legit. Because they're, they're, like, unofficial, yeah. like, English English stuff. But I can tell you for, for a fact, like, absolutely 100%. Um, yeah, so, like... It didn't always. It didn't always used to be like NLC was a pipeline to LEC, but it it changed this year, so twenty twenty two, when because NLC has changed hands so many times because it's just not profitable. It was ESL were doing it first, then LVP did it, yeah. and it changed to DreamHack. Now it's gone to Freaks for You, who yeah. also do the Prime League, which is why it's in Berlin. Um, and I, you know, I've been a part of all of those broadcasts and I've been doing the UK scene since like 2015 or something like that. And this is the only year that I've not done any of it. Um, and I got like a, I had a, a quick call with someone from, from Freaks for You. I was like, do you want to move out to Berlin and do NLC? And I was like, no, not really. I don't want to uproot my life and go to Berlin to work on the fucking NLC. Like, I love the UK scene, but we've been doing it remote all this time as well. Like... And, you know, this was still when, like, COVID and Brexit and stuff. It's like, no, I don't really want to uproot my life and go to do the, the NLC, like, one of the smallest ERLs. Um, and that was the only co- the only conversation I had from them. Uh, but if you if you notice the, the talent, like, that works on the on the LEC, it is uh, the, the NLC, the people who... So it's almost like the, the smaller casters who had... who were really trying harder to... I don't know how to describe this, like... The smaller casters who like this is the biggest opportunity of their lives, you know, like so so people like Namera and Initialize, like Gorborg, like Troubling, who are who are relatively small casters outside of this. You know, they take that full time position. Trouble's already living in Germany. Gorborg can move to Germany because he's Danish, he's not English, there's no visa issues or Brexit issues. Uh, and Initialize and um and Nymera also moved to Berlin because for them, you know, full-time NLC is like, okay, this is the dream right here. Whereas for some of the more established uh Passes like myself, Scoundrel, Hip Rain, who've been doing this stuff for years. It's not. We don't want to be doing the NLC forever, right? And so you might notice Scoundrel's not casting anymore. I'm not casting anymore because we all turned down the NLC offer. Um, but let me ask you this quickly, Fox. Like, if they told you over the phone, like basically wink, wink, nudge, nudge, yes, NLC, but you know what that means in like six months, a year, it will be LEC. <laughs> Would you have. Would I have about done it? I don't. If I'd if I'd been told from the LEC that, then then it's something I would have thought about for sure. I met, on the call I had with this NLC guy who I'd never spoken to before, never heard of, some German guy from Freaks for You. Like I, you know, I, I have no idea who this person is. Just gauging interest for NLC. So I don't do NLC. Yeah, do you want to move to Berlin to do it? I'm like, not really. I was like, well, you know, if you do NLC, like there's a you know, you can, it's in Germany, so it might help you with the LEC. And I just thought he was trying to sell it to me. He just said it like that. It was like, well, it might help with the LEC. It's like, bro, you're just trying to, you know, you're spinning mm. me yarn at this point. Like, I, I know you're spinning me But as it turns out, he wasn't spinning me yarn. <laughs> Apparently, that is literally just the way you get into LEC nowadays. And I think it's like, if you notice, a lot of the um, broadcast talent for the for the uh, LEC and the EULCS back, back in the day, it's all been, like, UK-based as well. Think about, like, like Medic, Vedius, myself um or or all us man joe miller yeah 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 it's like it makes sense or, or they're like aussies slash you know south african irish like, as well like, the sure. two irish it's guys like there's loads of yeah. people what you remember stress pulse there was loads of you yeah exactly so it's 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 always been like a uk slash us broadcast and um so yeah it was 
it was uh, i think at least he struggled when covid plus brexit really put a spanner in their ability to hire uk talent like it's it, it was it became kind of difficult and yeah i don't know it's all as with all things with lec and with riot like i don't really know the full story even though i'm the one who's like being directly impacted by it i i haven't been spoken to by lec since i was on their show last like the last conversation i had with riot was hey thanks thanks for being on today at the end of my cast for lec last year i will speak to you soon that was it i haven't, I haven't heard jack shit from them since then so i don't know what's going on and and I can only imagine if I was doing NLC, I probably would be on, on LEC, but I think for them, it's just convenience at this point. Like all the NLC people, they live in Berlin or already have the visas and stuff to work and operate from Berlin. So yeah, that's uh, completely, completely, completely off topic for what we wanted to do here. And I ranted for a bit. Sorry about that. Let's move on to our, actually, no, Thorne, you didn't say who your, <laughs> who your least annoying talent was. I kind of hijacked this topic. So who is right. your, who's your least? You definitely talent? wouldn't win least annoying talent on this show for that 20 minute digression where you just essentially listed everyone right. from the UK that you know that ever worked in League of Legends. But it's all right. It's I all realized good. going it's all good. No, what's good is you've actually given me some grist. Now, listen, sorry. you might regret this, but you get, you both give me some grist because I'll also give my thoughts on all those people you mentioned. So I'll just do a quick rundown. I actually think Dracos, I understand why people overrate him because he clearly has a lot of talent and has actually developed some of his skills. My problem is because he got in with the Frost Gorons of the world like I say, I actually always thought some of the personality elements were her weakest element, and that's exactly what he's fucking stressed. So I personally think his personality is a bit whack, and unfortunately, I don't think he uses his skill set that well. Like, he just becomes too much of a fucking lowbrow memer for me. It's like, you can do that every now and then, but even then it has to sort of be tongue-in-cheek. Like, I know that... Like, I do it myself. On shows, I will sort of explicitly be like, this is a shit joke, and then do, like, a pun. But I'm doing it in panto style. Like, I know it's shit. I'm not doing, like, it's the best joke ever. Like, oh, no, no, rap god. Like, mate, those rap god segments are so bad if you actually know real casting. Like, that's not even rap god, you idiot. Like, rap god isn't just speak fast. See, I didn't like you hit every whatever. If you don't get it, you don't get it. So the Dracos one, I get why people do that one. I don't personally find him the most annoying though, because he is talented. I actually think the Cadre one's a sad one because it's, this is why I told everyone I was very clear about this. The first year he joined LEC, I said, "Do not blow this guy's head up and tell him he's the best already and that he's the number one analyst." So they did. Of course, they gave him analyst of the year and made it. So what you've done when you do that, by the way, is tell someone you've already completed the game. You've done your ten out of ten. In fact, because you've completed the game, fuck it, you could probably just revolutionise the whole field. Whereas actually, people like Cadrell, in my opinion, they're only a couple of years in. They still haven't got their actual identity. Like, if I ask you what differentiates Cadrell from other analysts? He's an I mean, that's about player. it, right? Yeah, the, the problem is you, you wouldn't in the glasses. same... Like, if you talk about someone like Monty, think about all the things, like, oh, he's biased towards Koreans, like, he always loves, like, scaling comps and, like, low-kill comps. He wants, like, fucking... He wants, like, win conditions. You can think of all the... That's the problem Cadre has. He has a really broad, like, great knowledge set, but he hasn't figured out his identity yet. Like, who is he on that broadcast? Because, by the way, the day he does, he can just run the table. He'll be indis indispensable. Whereas if he stays, like, the rest of them, just another good person who fits this, like, fun little group and we never know who it's going to be, then you won't be indispensable. And then the other thing I'd say is this. On the other two names, I'll very quickly say, Nymeera, I actually have no problem with him at all. My joke with him would be, the only area that's annoying is he does obviously have that, like, fucking band camp style problem of being like, and in the LGL, it's like, no, give the fuck about the LGL. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. That's, that's the problem of just coming from that region. Obviously, you have to talk about what you know, don't you? And obviously, no one cares about the NLC as well. As you pointed out, it is one of the wackest DRLs. I know because it has this talent, it's probably getting boosted now, but it's, it's, it's not even supposed to be vaguely compact 
terrible. And then, just as a last aside, since Excoundrel did use a literal UK awards show while he was on stage presenting an award to call me out for, text notes, homophobia, all I'd say is, you'll have a really interesting time if you ever go and look up some of the words that Excoundrel has said on Twitter on the account, Excoundrel at Twitter. It's very interesting certain words he would use if he indeed wanted to call someone out for that. Spoiler, never catch me, mate. Suck my dick. Like, okay, then we'll go on to who I actually am picking. Because the key thing, remember, bring it all the way back to the beginning. It's the least annoying talent. So it's not the best talent. It's just the one where basically, like, this person, they never annoy you. It's always good. I'm actually going to pick a name that none of you have said. I'm going to pick Law. And the reason why I'm picking Law is this. First of all, I will actually say, I've thought a lot about what I like on broadcasts, etc. One of the reasons I personally think it's so whack that we present it like all the women who come on the broadcast were like suppressed and it's like as though it was like segregated and like we all just said, oh, women could never be on a broadcast. It's because what I don't get is this. I have the opposite experience. Like I generally find in life, I am ever so slightly biased towards women and naturally tend to find them like more easy to be around and just find them a very easy, no, it's not even the case of like easy on the eyes. It's like they're just they're just easier to listen to. They seem less argumentative in a way. They don't have the same sort of male qualities of always poking out their ego and stuff. I find them generally just more pleasant. And particularly in this case, if they're very feminine, I actually find as a man in a male area, in a nerdy area, I find that actually can be quite... I'd say it's almost like on a summer day, think of the analogy, it's like having a, a glass of pastis or the aniseed drink that the French drink oh, or so pims and strawberries or something, like the whole lemonade. It's like it's just a refreshing drink and it gives you that little... Mm. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, it sort of just makes the day better. So I think Law, every time she's on the broadcast, mate, she's always good. Like I say, there's I never get any vibe that she's like egoing out. Which, by the way, I definitely get even on LEC that vibe that people are doing that. I actually get the vibe for real. Like she's actually what I want in a professional. She clearly loves what she's doing. She actually, by the way, understands her role on the broadcast, which is when you do interviews. She's one of those people where, like a lot of women, she's very empath empathetic. So she tries to like engage personally with the player, and in fact, that's why she's really good at loser interviews, for example. If you notice, like I just find it just like I say, I, I've never seen a broadcast pretty much where I was like oh, this is annoying me or she's doing a bad job she just killed it pretty much every time so in general I just find her very good the demeanour is just very pleasant I would say so I briefly considered Law but the reason I didn't pick her is because and this isn't a point against her particularly at all it's just an, a, a thing I just find annoying in general which is every single time I watch someone do an on stage esports interview I think how have you made this look so fucking difficult? And I don't mean in terms of like her mannerisms or her demeanor or whatever. I think, as you say, I think she's spot on with those. The questions are just shit. And hers are less shit than when other people do it. But they're still shit. I would have so many super fucking interesting questions that I could put to you about the specifics of the game and the actual turning point. And not just, well, what do you think was the turning point? Oh, when you got Baron, really? Like, actual good, insightful questions. Like, you're watching the game in real time. Your only job when you're the interviewer, presumably, is to jot down notes about interesting things you can ask this person. You only have to come up with about three things, probably, unless the guy's, like, a complete mute and giving one-word answers. Like, it's so fucking easy in in a written sense at least to be an on-stage interviewer and she has all the skills outside of that right as you mentioned i think she's a very good manner i think when she's actually ad-libbing and not reading off anything and she's forced to improvise i think she's actually pretty good especially considering english is, is her second language she's always very comfortable on on stage kind of like a a homely feel aspect to it in that sense where you she's made everyone around them comfortable it's she makes didn't you find that wild awkward. 
that she actually admitted herself. It was obviously when she was hosted, but she admitted that she was like super nervous and didn't know she was doing a good job. Because yeah. the funny thing is, I get the opposite vibe. Like, yours, yes. she always seems super comfy on that set. She, she makes, yeah. It, it, the, for me, one of the, the things that makes segments like that the most watchable, that is the prerequisite. Everyone has to look comfortable and for it not to be awkward. Yes. And she brings that like in abundance. But as I said, my issue is, I just think all esports interviewers are fucking garbage, like so bad. And it's an area that I really hoped when esports was, you know, coming into its sort of ascendancy that I thought we'd stray away from what mainstream sports do so badly. And we spoke about this before. Football interviews are crap. They're literally there for filler so people can prepare. What? And by the way, this isn't speculative. I, oh, no, I, I have garbage. family members who worked on these kind of broadcasts. It's literally there so people can fucking do the lighting and fix things as they're panning to the studio because obviously you don't know how much injury time there's going to be or whatever so you don't actually have a set specific like incredibly I mean you've worked on broadcast you know this but and sadly in esports actually the way we structure interviews is we we did it the opposite way we're like what do they do in sports how can we fit that into our broadcast and i think that is such a whack way to go about it and unfortunately i do think she suffers to a certain extent the way that all other interviewers suffer just not as bad is though here's why that role sucks though rich it's actually the ultimate curse of esports which is that when esports got too big now people are actually overqualified for all the jobs. So in the same way as Monty doesn't cast League of Legends right now, even though the joke would be in football, like he'd still have three decades to go as a caster. Like John Watson isn't fucking just like, oh, I did five years. Like he's done decades of this shit. Like if you're like Al Michaels on the NFL, you do, you're going to be doing that for years. Like the problem is in our business, everyone gets so that like you can make more money or have more agency in your life by not doing all these jobs. So, like the joke if people don't know is logically, I should be the interviewer after the game. I am the most tenured interviewer in the history of esports i've done thousands of interviews it's why i find it so cute they keep fucking recommending ashley kang as journalist of the year when all she does is interviews interviews is my shit motherfucker do you see me ever do a tweet what should i ask this player no because mm -hmm. i would never condescend to do that because i wouldn't even fucking interview them if i didn't have questions for that player because what sort of insane premise would that be now i understand in her case a bit of that's the korean angle a bit of that's just trying to please the crowd but i just think it's fuckery like if you're the interviewer you ask the questions that's why you're interviewing it's the same reason why you'll never see me go introduce yourself how rude i'll introduce you because i know who you are what the fuck are we doing so the problem is rich in a sane world like that, that would be a gig that would be highly sought after like you get paid loads to do that and it would actually be someone like me who spent the whole life interviewing people because if people don't know i do also think when i watch some post game interviews mate this is so easy and you're fucking fumbling it not yeah. the law ones but i'll give you an example if anyone ever remembers like this is where it, just having the skills you can just see the fucking openings mate if you've done interviews before if you go back to early 2020 when they did the blast fall at brast spring groups it was the it was one of the last lands before we went to the online era there was that group where vitality and navi were in the same group and navi beat vitality so because simple had just lost player of the year to ziwu they do an interview right and as you can imagine, people are asking him like about Zebu and about. So I just say like in the middle of the interview because he's doing the usual thing where you give the PR answer like, oh, of course, you know, he did play very well and he would deserve the award. And I just say, come on, you don't think he's better than you because I know, simple, I know that he doesn't. So like in that scenario, no one else is going to ask that question. Sadly, that's where if I was not in that studio there, Rich, I'm fully aware. I would think that at home and no one would ever ask it and no one would ever actually find out what you actually think. Because by the way, the reason it was a brilliant moment is because when I go, you don't actually think 
like Zebu's better than you. He goes literally, of course not, and does like that as well. He just misses it. And when you see that, that's uh, fucking exact. That's like, by the way, that's like the soundbite you dream of if you're doing an interview there. Like, but this is where they would miss it because sadly, here's what they would do, Rich. All the other interviewers, their whole basis would be. I need the player to be comfortable at all times. He has to yeah. like everything I'm asking him. But the point in that scenario is I'm gambling on that question. He might not like that. He might even get pissed off at that. But every now and then you have to be willing to do it. It's why, believe it or not, you'll notice I'm incredibly fair that even though I think as a person she's a piece of shit and she's repeatedly fucked my career, the reason I never say Frankie is bad at her job is because you know the way she pisses people off because she'll ask annoying questions. They're necessary. Those annoying questions every now and then get you the best answer. They really do. And by the way, the fact that it's annoying is like a feature of the question because sometimes you have to provoke the player like essentially I think about the example of people saw my shows a few years ago where I just got Larson on my shows and I was like I'm not letting this drop mate like we're gonna have to talk about this choking thing you can't just keep dismissing it every time it's just a bad game so like, you've had fucking four splits of bad games then you know like but unless you do unless you have those awkward convos you're never gonna get the great answers I'm afraid it can't all just be pleasantries 24-7 that's just essentially that's just a digression about what modern esports broadcasts are and sadly they're not about the real are they they're very much accurated yeah no, definitely. The worst one I've ever seen of it, because that's a massive pet peeve of mine, where it's like, I'm meeting uh, this player later. What should I ask him? It's like, oh, let's just ask the world how to do your own job. Like, fucking hell. But the worst well, one I ever saw was that Jake Sucky guy on Twitter, or Jake, Jake Lucky, whatever. Um, he... Uh, he was meeting Shaquille O'Neal and he tweeted, wild, I'm going to meet Shaquille O'Neal already. Just like, what the fuck's going on? What is the world? And then he puts, what should I ask him? You don't know what to ask Shaquille O'Neal. Like, what the fuck is going on? Like, please, man. Just, oh dear. That is the ultimate get me out. Like, come on. Jake Lucky's meeting Shaquille O'Neal and he's asking his followers what to ask him. Fuck me. I'm going to say on that one is, who did it better? <laughs> We can contrast that. Well, that's an A B contrast. Who did it better when they met Shaquille O'Neal? That's all I'm saying. Probably I actually but... hurt his feelings and lowered his self esteem. Pretty good. Thousands of NBA players tried to do that. They didn't succeed. So. <laughs> I feel like we've uh, we've all gone off on a little rant. That's right. Bring it back. Bring it back. Yeah, no, this is this is what I'm saying. Is there anything anything else you want no, no, to add to good. this that's topic? Good. I mean, we already addressed like half a dozen talent that aren't even the least interesting. <laughs> annoying, rather, sorry. This was, a, this was a topic made in complete good faith with no agenda. All right, now you yes. may proceed. Now we move along. Okay, excellent. The next award. It's really not an award at all, actually, is it? The next D-ward for this, uh, this uh, uh, show here is the next to be benched. Who do you reckon is going to be uh, kicked out on their ass? And not let the door hit him on the way out. For me, I'm going to say it's Kazi. I don't think Kazi will survive another split with Vitality. He might find another team. Maybe. He's not Spanish, so I don't think it will be Heretics. But he may find a team on a bottom uh, bottom place roster. But I don't know. I feel like between between the, the public opinion of him souring since his Mad Lions days. And obviously with the failure of Vitality as a super team. And him being one of the, one of the weaker links. And his performances in uh, the the last his his most recent performances, which is what people will remember the most. Uh, yeah, I I think it's probably going to be him. What do you think? Who's going to be the next to be benched? Rich, hit me up. See, while I'm obviously going to be incredibly quick to co-sign co-sign the Kazi one, <laughs> uh, I think there's actually well. probably a correct answer to this one, which is that mm. it's going to be Haru, isn't it? Because they've got that fucking monster okay. sitting yeah. in the wings oh. waiting to come in, Mr. Bow. So, yeah, even though, you know, in terms of on merit, 
has Haru been like the biggest problem on his team? Like, absolutely. I mean, look at BDS. You could pick anyone from there. Like, plenty of candidates on SK. Plenty of candidates, indeed, on Fnatic. There's probably a bunch of people that you could look at there. But I think if I'm like, you know, guessing what's going to happen, it has to be Haru because I think that's kind of a lock. I think this was the plan all along. I don't think they particularly tried to even hide it or even play a PR angle. I think they basically let everyone know Haru's coming in. He's a stopgap for this crazy uh, Chinese player that's going to come in afterwards. Like, you know, I, I, I think it was pre, pre-written and uh, pre-decided, if you like. So, yeah, as I said, there's plenty of players on basically every team other than one or two um, where I can easily see people being benched. But I think in terms of likelihood, it's got to be Haru. So yeah, here's, here's an interesting uh, tidbit for that as well. Bo is an absolute monster, and solo queue-wise especially. He's like a, he's a 70, if you don't know who Bo is, he's like a 17-year-old jungler who used to play for FPX and then got banned for like match-fixing or something, um, but was cooperative and was and so he's... Whatever. Basically, he's he's an absolute prodigy, and uh, in solo queue, he's not only good at at jungle, but he's also very good at AD carry. And people were saying, "No, nah, keep Haru, kick Kazi, put Bo in ADC because of his uh I'd his watch. solo queue performances." <laughs> yeah, that was that was your burner account. I'm sure on Reddit suggesting that one. Uh, Dorian, who's your who's next to be benched in your opinion? The problem with this one is like uh, this will always be the issue with this award. Is like it doesn't matter if the player is the worst player in the league; it doesn't mean the the team will bench him. So, in terms yeah. of how plausible it is, because the problem is like the most obvious cynical ones is like most of BDS would be benched. Obviously, like a few players from Astralis could obviously easy hit the bench, etc. So, I think like if I'm putting like a set of candidates of like a mixture of like actually plausible, they will have to bench him, but also it does look like they deserve to be benched. Like Kazi's an obvious one for me. I even feel like the fact that they fucked up playoffs and there's no worlds for people like the Alfaris and the Perks, that is the only thing in my opinion that actually might make those guys think about whether they still want to play with Kazi. If they'd have been in the mix to go to Worlds as the fourth slayer, or if they'd have had a little run in the playoffs, they might have let the way the end of the middle of this split went trick him and keep him for next year. I actually think this might have fucked it up for him though. So he's definitely in the mix. I actually personally think, even though this is going to be dependent on the playoffs, but a similar premise, I think that when Fnatic do not win LEC, and when they maybe even either don't go to Worlds or go to Worlds and shit the bed, I think it's obvious that Humanoid will not play in Fnatic in the future. I think that is just... Like, if I... As in... I genuinely feel like even other starting players in Fnatic have to go to the management and be like, I cannot, you can't put this guy in the team again if he's going to play that way. Like, I've, I've never seen player that irresponsible. Like, it's funny that everyone always cites Hillisang like similarly, but it's like Hillisang once, you can have Hillisang, you can band-aid Hillisang. You can literally just tell him, look, just don't try many invades or don't try many crazy moves. You can't tell someone, don't play mid lane. Like the way, like Humanoid just, just chooses to die, mate. Like, here's a way more egregious in my opinion than even the Hillisang where he's making basic lane errors and just dying so humanoids won I actually think just logically depending on obviously if they sell because there's a rumour that Astralis will sell from the LEC if they were to keep the rest of the team I think upgrading DL is just obvious like I would instantly go and just get an ERL mid lane and you've got actually a chance to probably be a playoff team and then the last name this just the problem with this one is I actually do think he should be benched I think it would make the team way better but it won't be for the same reason Vitality won here's the problem Rich when Rogue does qualify to Worlds and when Rogue does finish top 3 or top 4 or maybe even make the final that will be the excuse whereby like they'll never consider benching anyone so then similarly right if you look it's all about expectations cause xl made the playoffs and there's even a world where maybe they'll beat Fnatic, so they're like maybe they can get that fourth spot if that happens they will keep finn 
And I, in my opinion, that is the ultimate mistake. Because if you just, again, I would be going for an ARL top laner again myself here. I'd be trying to gamble on someone because the rest of that team, I think, is pretty legit. If you can put a different top laner in, I think we're cooking with gas. So these are all the names I'll pick. So if I had to pick one, Kazi, I think, is the most obvious one to me. I just feel like it's he combines every factor. And at the end, I can't see, like I say, what the Copium would be for his team. Like, how could they even argue that he has to stay at this point, you know? Yeah, I think, by the um, way, very quickly on the humanoid thing, because I think this is interesting. Again, this this is I'm not leaking anything or whatever. But when the um, when he left Mad, obviously your starting point is, why would Mad sell to a rival like that? That's crazy. You're a direct rival. You've just won the league, and it's a team who's aspiring to win the league next time. Like They could not be more of a rival to you in this moment in time. And the suggestion was, and again, this is all stuff that's on Reddit and publicly or whatever, of course, speculative, that basically humanoid's a bad egg. Like, just not a good teammate at all. And again, you can see, as Thorin said, you can see that manifest in ways inside the game where you're like, this guy's just being a dick, basically, as, so far as that's even possible to do in the game. But it gives off a bit has, of a vibe that he's a bit selfish. Yeah, for sure. he has, he does not have a good reputation uh, in, in terms of being a good teammate. So I think you have to heavily factor that in as well. And also, as I have to, you know, always insert my own, own personal agenda as well into this, Fnatic do have a very, very, very good mid laner on their academy team, a guy called Backer. Not sure who reps him. Probably some really fucking worldy agent. But this guy's an absolute monster. So if I'm fanatic, you just, if there's any value to having humanoid at all, let's say he does have a series where he pops off, and that's the one that Jack Etienne actually tunes into, sell him to America and just upgrade your fucking really nice, great guy, great vibes, great talent mid laner that you've got sitting in academy, just all round great human being. I'd imagine. By the way, one thing I will just say, though, is I hope people understand I'm talking about relative to where each of the teams are and their expectation level. Like, if someone cuts Humanoid, by the way, I will think you're a fool if you're, like, the mid-table teams and you don't gamble on him, for example. Like, if you're a team oh, like yeah. a fucking XL or maybe Misfits loses Vethio, you're supposed to sign Humanoid and gamble that he has the comeback year a la Anouk Duck or some past player, the Mickey X's of the world. Imagine like, that definitely he's an LEC not. player. Yeah, exactly. That would be a great one. Yeah. yeah, there's tons of teams could use this guy. Do you think Humanoid would take a team like that, though? He's going to have to at some point, isn't he? It's either that or go to NA. Yeah. I think he'd rather go to NA, personally. I, I, he's been on... He was on Mad Lions, won back-to-backs, and, you know, even his time on Splice was quite successful, and now he's on Fnatic. Like, I can't imagine he'd take a lower-tier team. One thing I think people don't realise as well is this. When the early imports were coming in from EU LCS, it was people like Bjergsen, it was people namely from, like, the fucking super high quality of living countries, like the Nordic region, right? It's way more touch and go for that guy once. There's a reason Nukeduk never went to NA, for example. He just sort of thought it'd be annoying, so I'll just stay here and I'll, I want to win in Europe, right? Sort of a nerd approach. If you are people like the Perks and the human uh, humanoids of the world, another reason why one year in NA, just one, is worth its weight in gold is because, mate, that money goes so far in your country. You do that one year and for real, you can just take care of your family. Like, that. Like that's like you make that's like when people make the NFL and they're just finally yeah. like, well, I can buy a house for my mom. And like, that's that's why the temptation will be there, in my opinion. Because that's because you are right, Fox. But the point is, if it's only the Astralises come knocking, then fuck it. Maybe I do go and join Team Liquid or whoever if they want, you know. That's where one cheeky year is probably worth it. Get 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 two million dollars, come back to fucking Czech Republic. You'll be a king on that, mate. And if they're not morons, they should be looking for a new mid, let's be real. And to be honest, like, if you're you look at people who've gone over to NA. Abadage was good in EU, you know, definitely top half, maybe top three at a push, but now he's arguably like the best mid in in NA. Uh, Takui as well was like, that's that shocks me. Like, you know, I full on giving him credit to what he's achieved in NA, but like, 
even in uh in the ERL system here in in EU he wasn't he was he wasn't considered like top top tier or anything like that at all and yet here he is like uh, just absolutely popping off in mate in blue LCS. looks like a human at times in north america that's all <laughs> yeah, you need yeah. to know to fucking draw the fucking graph and contextualize it like holy moly there's uh yeah so i i and with the amount of money they they get they're compared to the bottom half teams i yeah plus you get to live in NA, L, la and the night you know experience the nice uh la living parts not not the not the terrible parts Let's move on from next events tier to the most roster switches for a team. Who By do you the way, think... super quick. This is my super hot take quick. of the day. If you put Jojo Ping in fucking LEC, he's bottom three, by the way. Like, 100%. This guy's a fucking... <laughs> like, honestly, the mid mid is such a joke in NA. It's ridiculous. These people are not good. And as you kind oh, of just outlined, role. you took someone sort of from the top, the middling, and the bottom. None of those players would be considered super top Humanoid team. would win the MVP. Not, yeah. oh, listen, obviously, like, he wouldn't play as bad as this, but I don't think they would punish it even, man. I think he would just win the MVP if he went there. Yeah. So who do you think, going on to our next topic here, the most roster switches is going to be for a team heading into uh, 2023? Now, this one's quite interesting because it's not going from spring to summer. We're going from one year to the next, like a proper off-season. So we're more likely to see some good changes, a lot of changes here. Uh, for you two, who do you think is going to be the team that makes the most difference? I Just to kick us off, I, I wouldn't be surprised, depending on how Fnatic does in playoffs, if it's them. Or an obvious answer being as well with uh, with Vitality because, you know, like, they spent so much money and what do they get from it? Absolutely nothing. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they burn that all to the ground. Um, obviously, honorable mention going to uh, uh, Misfits because they're going to get reacquired by Heretics. So there'll be a lot of changes there, but that's kind of a cop-out answer. Yeah. What do you guys think is going to be the most? Oh, it's going to be my answer. It was just, it's obviously the local, <laughs> really it? like that. Like logically, they're going to sell. Like, I think everyone except one player under contract. And even then, he probably's gone as well. Like so probably all probably misfits. But as you said, that's probably the easy answer. Basically, the main problem is it's misfits or Astralis if they sell. Because obviously, if you sell, as you've seen, people aren't buying the old players. You just reopen with whoever you want on your choice. So if we're going with like a real team, like an actual LEC team, the Fnatic one's not a bad shout because obviously, just as they did with this line, like you could see them. Just redoing the entire team after how the year's gone and if they don't make Worlds for example I think it would even be a fair move even though it was a super team and even though the stupid thing is Vitality should be considering it but I know they probably aren't like if I had to guess that's the sad thing Rich if you just know the way pro players are and you do know them that probably was sadly enough fucking wins for the Alfaris and the Perks of the world to go come on let's do it again like they, these guys don't learn like they'll just go like we just didn't one bo one that's all it was like like that's just the way pro players work they they can the copium they huff is just too powerful so sadly Vitality probably won't make the most so I think the other one for me if I had to guess is. I think it's just got to be Fnatic. I'll have to go with Fnatic as my default. I think I think it's got to be them. Because I just think that's the team where, like, pretty sweet, at a minimum, I think Razork and Humanoid are both going. And that's at a minimum, by the way. Because obviously there's even a world where, like, for example, if if those players go, I don't know what the basis of why Wonder joined is. Maybe Wonder gets a kick-ass better offer from someone else. Maybe he replaces Alfari and goes to Blizzard. But, you know, I mean, there's a million angles. So I just think that's the team where it's just the most likely that they'll bomb and not make worlds. And if that happens, I think you just sweep the deck and you start over. Like, in fact, I'd even say there's a world where you just start with, like, just upset or something like that, you know? Fair enough. So, Fnatic gets your vote. What about you, Rich? Who do you think is making the most uh, 
most changes in this offseason. Yeah, I mean, yeah, out of the, the quote-unquote real teams, obviously, yeah, I think Razork and Humanoid are probably both odds-on to leave. There's even a world maybe where Hillisang potentially goes. I, I could see that happening. Um, thing is, obviously, it doesn't really count in the same way, but like Heretics coming in, I don't think they're going to keep... Keep in mind, they do have their LVP team, right? So they do actually have a roster that theoretically they could just teleport into the LEC. Um but I think they're only going to keep a maximum of two players from that team. And to be honest, I fucking hope they only keep a maximum of two players from that team. Because if they just do this thing of like, well, I know it's really harsh, but you know, you, you know, it went like back in the day when teams would get promoted and then make no changes. And like, we have to give everyone a chance. It's like, why? No, you don't. Like if someone was legitimately holding you back, get rid of them, get rid of them. Like <laughs> why, why wouldn't you don't owe that person anything? What do you owe someone being the anchor on your team? Anything just because you, again, it's just this ridiculous results-based analysis of like, how good was your career? Well, I won this. Yeah, but you were the worst player on the team and they'd been way better off with someone else. Like, yeah, you have to contextualize these things. So I hope they only keep Jack Spectrum and maybe blues blue resort maybe um even that i'm not sure i think they could there's a world where they just kick everyone apart from jack spectra and by the way jack spectra is not going to be as good as everyone thinks he's going to be um but yeah in terms of the real teams i mean xl won't change too much i would guess uh g2 aren't going to change anyone really are they mad i can't see it rogue's almost certainly not going to change that feels like that's a five you've got to set yeah, the, well, the only thing with Rogue, Rogue is, and Mad Lions feel pretty set. The only thing with Rogue is you don't know how this, the exact influence that the Koi thing's going to have, and if they want to impose certain things. I mean, I don't think so. I think basically the Rogue management staying and making the decisions. So probably, yeah, not. Obviously, SK should, but will they? They never do. That's not in their character. So yeah, I think it. I guess it probably. Oh well, uh, no, I'll say, I'll say BDS. I'll say BDS. I think there's not a. a, a, a there's no way that a team that did as badly as them throughout the year, who have as many suspect players as they have, can't change more than half that team. If we just look at the team, Nuclear Ints out, surely. Ex Matty's surely out. Uh, Air Dote's probably out as well, at minimum. So then you've got Synchrov and Agresivo, and probably they both stay, I guess, maybe. But yeah, the other three gone. So I'll say BDS. They're making a minimum of three changes, I think. Fair enough. Uh... Yeah, I've already given my opinions on it. I think it's it's going to be tough to tell because there is a lot of, like, as if Astralis and Misfits sell their spot, plus, as you mentioned, Koi kind of joining in with uh, with Rogue. Uh, with Rogue. Maybe that's going to influence things. But I, yeah, I is I don't know. Is it weird to think more? It feels weird to think of Fnatic making more changes because, like, it feels like this is a team that we always talk about making changes, but I also think it really depends on their playoff performance. Like uh, and obviously we don't know what that's what that's gonna be like. So yeah, uh, let's move on. Our next award is our most improved player. So this can either be from you know from the beginning of the split to the end of the split, or just from his previous performances in like spring or you know whenever it may have been. Who do you think has had the most kind of like uprising in uh, in their performance? Uh, let's go with Rich on this one first. Oh, I. This one's really difficult, I think. Uh, I think I'm probably going to say Kobe. Mm, I like I that. Think, I think probably I'd say Kobe. I think 
because of how tight the league was was in general, a lot of these awards and we'll see with like All Pro and stuff, like they're incredibly close for a lot of these things and a lot of players in similar sort of echelons of, of skill expression this split. But I feel like Kobe was someone who people were surprised wasn't replaced at the beginning of the year or to put it a better way was surprised he was still in the LEC given the amount of ADC talent in the ERLs or whatever and the line was kind of like but fucking hell like how doesn't this guy get into LEC when like Jezu and Kobe is still in the league but I feel like he separated himself from Jezu for example this split uh I think he actually was I think he is one of the best AD carries at playing out late game scenarios um so yeah I'll I'll say I'll say Kobe I actually think that's got a really good like underrated answer as well, considering we mentioned Xerxes, we've mentioned Younghoon from from Astralis as well. Um I think he's actually probably the only Astralis player that we've not talked about. Like we talked about how, you know, Vizacharchi being his like role player and, and, and all that stuff and how Dio is probably might get removed. So I guess we talked about Dio but not in a good way. Um but yeah, Kobe's kind of flying under the radar, but that just seems to be like the type of player he is, I guess. Um but for you, Thorne, who's your most improved coming here? I, the thing is, there's like one that I think's a trap, which is I could pick Unforgiven, but I actually think that's just because people slept on him in the spring. Like, I actually think it's just that his team was better. Therefore, he got to more real team fights and then now he was able to carry the games. Like, I think he could have done that in spring, though. So I actually think I'm going to pick a name that might shock people. But I think logically, in light of the fact the premise here can be, it can be just based on last splits form. It doesn't have to be like their, their career form. I actually am going to pick Perks from Vitality because I think in the spring, he was just all right. He wasn't he was bad. He was just all right as a mid laner. Vitality in general was pretty bad. I think he was far and away the best player in Vitality this split. And as I said, if the last week didn't happen where they lost the four games, he would have been a real MVP candidate for me. Like I was really thinking, like maybe I have to even like if they're in the playoffs, like they were looking like they were going to be third or fourth seed. I might even have to pick him as the MVP. I was thinking, like I think the angles there, like the difference is when people were doing that whole Niski topic. That's why I thought it was a bullshit topic. It's like yeah, but they're all good players. Like we all agree, like most of the Vitality players aren't even that good, and they still were winning these games. So I think Perks is one, even though again. Sadly, for some reason, fans, they, they've just never forgiven him for fucking going to NA, sadly. So they're just going to hate on this motherfucker till the end of time now for some reason. I don't know why. He's probably the easiest player to like in the history of European League of Legends, but whatever. True. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to think, like, for my for my option here as well, because I was I was shockingly thinking of something similar with uh, with Unforgiven. I was like... I mean, he did make first all pro, and like Mad Lions did really well, and he did bowl accounts do really well. Um, but I do, I do wonder how much of that is a product of his team. Not to take away from what he had oh, achieved, just like I don't think he was particularly bad in spring either for him to have improved massively for summer. Um, I might honestly mention a little bit, honestly, with his lane partner and Kaiser, because I, I, I think Kaiser, Kaiser, because I think he, um had some pretty shocking games in spring considering this guy came into the league and took it by storm and instantly became like a top three support somewhat similarly to uh targamas of what he's done honestly I, I draw a lot of parallels between their careers so far um but i think he really wasn't that great in spring and but he has been pretty solid in in summer um but i i, I honestly really like the shout of kobe as well because he's definitely as a player i think he was on the outside looking in as far as his like career goes as to what you know, like, how do I how do I phrase this? Like, whether he'd even be in the LEC, you know, like continuing on. It looked like he was really just like dwindling out, and you know, maybe people take a shot on him because he's Kobe, but not necessarily merited his place on an LEC team. But uh, 
yeah, he really solidified himself as one of the better players on that on that roster, and I think he did really well. Uh, let's uh, let's move on to our next award. <laughs> Quite the opposite of the most improved player. Somewhat similar here to the uh, to the leader award, I think here, which is the Big Dipper. Is your answer going to be anything different here? This is obviously the person who's changed uh, form from spring to summer the most. Because I personally, when I looked at this, I instantly thought of um, Hillisang. Which that was the name. I, I was going to go for this for this category. And the reason why right. is this. Because even though like the Dardy Award wasn't bad, like it can be quite similar with Overlap, obviously. The reason I pick it is this. Everyone's going to forget this detail. Hillisang was an MVP candidate in spring. Mm -hmm. An MVP cat. And by the way, a lot of people, I personally thought like that was one most slam dunk for Vethio because of his team. Dude, loads of people were telling me that's just the media narrative and it should be really Hillisang. So like, if he was that level, like, well, the joke now is when you consider teams like fucking Astralis have Yonghoon, this guy for real, just like Humanoid was like impossibly bad as a mid. Like me and Dom were trying to figure this out. Dude, Humanoid's probably like the eighth best mid laner this split. That's how, it's the similar status for Hillisang. Like dude, he's actually one of the worst supports because not only was he not doing a great job even playing the lane and by the way he used to be in what was considered the best lane but even worse than that he's actively <coughs> inting remember you can have plenty of supports that you just think of like as much as i'm making fun of this mercer guy he's not openly just in the games though like he's just not doing anything sometimes in the game hillisang was actively like almost throwing the game so to me i think that is an insane drop of a form and the weird thing about him as well is I don't care what period in the split you're picking. Even when Fnatic wins games, it didn't ever seem like he came out of the funk, really. He just seemed to permanently be in that bad state. And so I feel like people have even taken... Like, because people used to flame him when he would have individual bad games or when, like, the meta was, like, Nautilus only or whatever. I think people have taken past splits and they've done this thing where they're like, it's Hillisang, though. He always has games like that. And it's like, dude, every game was like that. Yeah. It, it wasn't, like, he never... It, it's like if Caps had had, like, the Caps and Claps one, but it was only Craps the whole split. Like, eventually, <laughs> that, that wouldn't be a cool narrative anymore, would it? I love the Caps and... The Claps and Craps. <laughs> just, Good angle, yeah. It's like, honestly, I... I just as a side note, all of the stuff that Twitch chat comes up with is just always cracks me up. Like some of the names for these players, just like, yeah, it does make me laugh. I think, yeah, I I have to say, like, Hilasang as a player, because of his playstyle, perhaps, just because of who he is, I'm not sure, but um, seems to get a pass for having like happy games. A bit like when G2 would just have really shit games, like, ah, G2's at it again. You know, like, when actually, no, this is kind of inexcusable. <laughs> this is just crap. Like, this is just what it is. Um, for you though, Rich, who's your uh, your biggest dipper, and how do you differentiate this for, from your leader award choice, if you can? Yeah, I mean, I think there are definitely occasions where the awards can go to completely different people. I mean, apart from anything else, it's about um, you know expectation, which doesn't have to be based on last split's performance. Like it could be based on anything. It could be it could have been Bo if he'd come in and been rubbish, right? Like for the for the leader mm. award, so. I think there's a few candidates, but I think ultimately Hillisang does get it because, as Thorin said, basically this guy finished like five votes behind Vithio for MVP or something. So, yeah, absolutely. I think you could also mention, in my opinion, Maorang. I don't think it's to the same extent as uh, Hillisang, but I do think he got figured out. I do think the reason why I wouldn't go for Maorang is, one, because he's not been terrible or something, but he hasn't been good, in my opinion, and he was good during the regular season last split. But in playoffs... Maorang wasn't as good as he was in the regular season. I mean, he was, again, fine, but whatever. Finn, I think, is not a bad shout. Mm. Finn was arguably should have been on, on an all-pro team last split. I think there was an argument for it. And this split, he has been the worst top in the league. And it's not close. Um, so he's had a 
rough descent as well. Uh, and another one, uh, I don't Larson as well. I'll just throw Larson in there. I don't think he's like a serious candidate, but he for, for his own considered standards. him as well. Yeah, basically think about it. Every other split, he actually was underrated and was probably contended yeah. for best mid. Whereas, like, I don't think you could say that for this split. No, he's not the best mid, no, no way. He, and he doesn't deserve to be on an all pro team, um, legitimately. So yeah. I even think this might be the only split ever I've seen, dude, where he was having some legit bad games as well. Yeah. Normally, a Larson bad game also is like you just don't do anything. He was having some games here where he just just. Uh, he would just have a random like some of those Talia games. He would just have a random really bad game. You yeah, know? I mean the thing the thing with Rogue is is regardless of what's going on or what form they're in or whatever, you could always rely on the solo laners to do what they do best. But this split and the second half of this split especially wasn't really true for top or mids. Like both Otto and Larson were uncharacteristically weak um, for for what they they usually show. So yeah. Uh, but I, I wouldn't put Otto in that conversation, even though Otto was first team all pro because, um, well, actually Otto was on all pro this season as well. But also he did. It's actually funny because they, they flashed up that thing in the last week, which is MVP leaders or whatever, which is just a thing based on who we, and Otto had five. It's so, just on the player of the game. Yeah, like, player so, of the game. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but it, it, it reminded me like, oh yeah, they hit the first half of. No, no, people forget that. Fire. Yeah. So yeah, he yeah. he had a better split, but. Yeah, I, I mean, you have to go with Hillisang, really. Anything else is just hipster. I'm I'm curious how uh, Larson's split, this split, is going to influence public opinion on him or narrative on him, if you want. Because I feel like he's 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 always been one of the league's most like criminally underrated mid laners. Oh, mate, you know? I'll tell you something funny. Obviously, I just did a reflections interview with him very recently, right? There was a, for real a comment on YouTube, and it just said something like, "Rogue will never win LEC until they bench Larson." It's like, bro, that's what a fucking <laughs> whack take that is. Like, mm -hmm. he's the only player left in the team for when they came in and became the the top team. You idiots! He's the only through point in the entire squad. <laughs> yeah. Like who are you replacing him with too? Because that's the thing they always forget those fans. It's like it's not like all the other teams are like, would you like caps? Like you don't have an option of that. Like you know they, who are they picking between? The joke is like the, the best case scenario if you were going to upgrade, it's like Vethi or something. Even then, I don't know if you do that. And that's this team. It's about the team style and nah, it's so, it no, it that guy's always been underrated, mate. I don't get it myself because yeah. like I said, this is the first split where I think he wasn't like a true contender for best in the whole league. Yeah. And that's it. And whether that's gonna like you know. People are like, oh, I told you he wasn't. He wasn't actually ever that good. You see? Oh, they'll like, do that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the thing is to make a sort of more holistic point about Rogue. Like Rogue's entire strength throughout has been, and this is what they replaced when they got rid of, uh, or what they solidified when they got rid of Finn and replaced with Otto. Is the two solo laners are super fucking reliable at controlling their lane. That doesn't mean mm. winning and pushing their lanes like perma shoving waves like Forgiven in 2015 or something, but being in full control of what happens in those lanes. They are the best at it in the league and everything else can work and move around that, which is why you can be successful with a herbivore farming, playing carry jungler like inspired and then a fucking lunatic maniac like Maorang running around and there are still consistencies because those those two solo laners can manipulate their lane however the fuck they want. Those are the two constants. If you take out Larson, let's say you think VTO is better than Larson. You take out Larson, that team will not be as good with VTO in because VTO is not a strong control player. He's not good on control mages. He's about playing these these uh, these champs that can pop off in late game team fights, and that's where he really shines. Like he is not someone who can manipulate his lane like Larson can. So even if in your head you think, oh, wouldn't it be nice if they replaced Larson with Vito? I promise you, it would be worse. Mm. That is not a good not a good matchup. 
Why don't you just get rid of Larson and get fucking Faker, mate? <laughs> True. I mean, that would be an upgrade. Why not do that? Honestly, I just don't think... By the way, the doing. joke is, though, sometimes people actually do almost ruin talk show segments by doing that. Like, like I, I, it's even happened on my shows. Like, like I, there was someone in Insight a few weeks ago, we were having a similar discussion. We were like, you need to replace him. And they were like, yeah, they need sort of like a Caps type minute. It's like, <laughs> there's loads of those on fucking trees everywhere. What are you talking about? Like, by the way, spoiler, if at any point your only take is they should sign Yankos or Caps, like... It's like I used to say in the past, like, the joke is you should exclude Faker from all fucking discussions because he's always the outlier, isn't he? Like, that's by definition the outlier. Like, if this, if your team needs Yankos to win LEC, spoiler, your team has plenty more problems than not having yeah. a jungler. You know what I mean? Fucking hell. For sure. <laughs> all right. Moving on to our next award. Wish you were here. Who's a player that's not in the LEC right now that we wish was in the LEC? Uh, I, If I remember correctly... um. Last time we mentioned Reckless and Niski. Reckless still isn't in the in the in the LEC, but obviously Niski is, and he just got first team All Star. So obviously we were right on the money with that one. But uh, who who would you pick here? Someone that you want to join the LEC that isn't isn't in it right now? Or maybe someone that's moved overseas or something, or is in is in the ERLs. Um, Dorian, hit me up first with this one. Even though you're stretching, yawning, I'm gonna freak another spot and make you answer that. Question. Tough one with this one is. I think there's actually a fairly obvious example, unless you're just some super ERL fan, and the obvious answer is just to inspired come back to LEC because basically, mm. spoiler, the real reason why EG's the best is nothing to do with Danny and Giorgio and all that. And the joke is it's all about having like the most consistent top laner and then the best jungler in the whole league that understands jungle in a way none of the other players or junglers understand it, or coaches as far as I can tell. Like the joke is, as much as we all criticized Inspired last year where he was like the MVP but then whacking the playoffs, it's like actually that just makes you the most dominant player on the entire NA continent what he could do spoiler he was a really good player just maybe his team was his problem in his team was this I've seen it happen too many times you get too many of the too many of one type of player in a team like what the joke is what yeah. actually made him fit Odo and fucking Larson so perfectly was also that they're all just thinking too, too similarly like you actually needed some contrast like a Malrang although maybe that's extreme the other angle so Inspired's an obvious one he's probably going to be the MVP of their league I think it would be brilliant to see him in LEC again you think of like the jungle pool we've got a pretty good jungle pool i'd love to see it and throw him back in the mix so if i'm not picking what i feels like an obvious one the other one you've actually mentioned him already i think just for in human interest value i think people after that that episode of whatever it was called about takui would love to see this guy play yeah. like obviously he's someone who has like a bit super feel good story he's even actually a good player he's just more of the sort of the poe frog and type mage players but he's actually good at what he does by the way like i think he's way better than his team FlyQuest, and even that series against fucking team liquid he's one of the only reasons you'd have a chance against a team like that so actually this guy has shown up to be pretty decent and I'd even say I think to some degree obviously he doesn't have the most pressure he's in FlyQuest but I'm actually also fairly impressed how he's sort of held up in NA like that's the sort of player much like a Bjergsen where I get a bit nervous when I hear they're going abroad mate I think like this could go really badly for you cough from your support network you got all this fucking yeah. scrutiny by the way the one element that we never talk about with Europeans is you might be coming from just being a nerdy guy living in Berlin in Germany and just playing the game and when you go to LA you are getting invited to all of those fucking parties where all the girls come along and there's all sorts of drama and things that get mixed in your life that had nothing to do with you in Europe if you weren't in those groups like that's just way more ubiquitous out there so I, I think in general he's just actually handled it all super well so I'd like to see him actually play in LEC like put it this way 
I think of some of the conversations earlier. If I could put Takui in Astralis, I'd do that tomorrow. That'd be a really interesting move. Like I'd like to see him play in a team like that without too much pressure, but let's see if you're actually how good you are in Europe. Because the problem is, my old answer that I've done in the past for this would have been Jensen. But actually, like obviously he hasn't had the greatest split, so actually I don't mind that he stays in NA right now. <laughs> Fair enough. What about you, Rich? Who do you think should be in uh, in the LEC? See, this is another opportunity where I can just pitch all of the people that I represent to be picked up. But I'm not going to do that. So I'm going to say, and this is kind of a cheat answer as well, but Bo, like, I want to see Bo play in the LEC. I think he is probably the most mercurial mechanical talent that we may ever have had in the league. And I want to see the guy fucking play. Um, And I don't really care what team it's on either. I think with someone like that, you're going to be able to see 70% of what they are, regardless of what fucking team they're on, as weird as that sounds. Like, I think he is... The joke is, he would be the player that if you had to put in, like, the synchro position of BDS, yes. you'd put him, because he might actually win games on yeah. his own. Yeah, he, yeah. Will, he, will, he will just solo win. You just get him, and you tell him, like, Steph Curry style, like, you have just a permanent green light, mate. You just yes. do whatever you want <laughs> at any moment. Just go ham. Yeah, exactly. no, you know, exactly. I was about to say, as well, like, in draft, yeah. like, this guy will have so much... I would give this guy so much fucking freedom in draft. I'd say... Sure. Like, do you like what they've? Do you, do you like what you're seeing? What do you want to pick? Leasing, not Meadow, no problem. I trust that you will annihilate that team on leasing. Like I can believe it. So yeah, he, he, it's a bit of a cheat answer, but no, I want to. I really hope this guy does start next. Uh, next split. Um, Mate, he looks like he, if he plays, he could actually for real be an MVP in the league. Like oh, he actually definitely. looks that good. Yeah, I think because the, really the problem I know is like obviously people are going to say that, Richard. Like, yeah, but depends what team. It's like I actually don't think it does. Yeah. What Malrang showed you is when players like that can make that style work, any team's going to get better because of that. Yeah, for sure. I, I think he's better than Malrang. Like in ter- in terms of mechanics, at, at least. Like I think this guy is fucking crazy. And he oh, just... he looks like one of the best I've ever seen, man. Yeah. The only player I can compare him to, I know people don't like this comparison, but I always thought the player who had the talent who could do more was Rush in NA, the Korean jungler, because he was another one where if you ever watched him in solo queue, you were like, this guy's the best, what the fuck like, even in Korean solo queue would just be like out gaming them all, like that. it's similar, the, the certain eye tests like that it's almost certain you're going to be good, at yeah. least good, come on. Yeah, yeah, gotta see that. Yeah, I've I've been uh, trying to abuse Bo a little bit for the um, good old clickbait on YouTube and let me tell you, just watching his gameplay is just fucking cracked, like there's just... <laughs> There's just no other way of explaining it. Like this guy is just mental. Like, and the way he passes, it's it's odd. It's odd, but in a obviously very effective way. And I really want to see it in the um in the pro scene. So, who's going to be your your MVP? The biggest award here we've got today. Um, who do you think has been the most valuable player, uh, in in the LEC this split? Um, you, we've already alluded to it that it's it's looking like it's going to be a, a Niski win as far as you know what the actual award's going to be. Um, but that's you know his comes into a team that was uh, you know didn't make the playoffs. And now they're the the best team in the arguably the best team in the league. They finished first, so I think that's kind of like an easy one from a narrative standpoint. But for you two, do you do you agree with that, or do you have maybe a different choice? Like maybe there's a player that you actually think has been the best in his role um, and just all around had the highest impact in the league. I'll come to you first on this one, Rich. See, what's funny about this is that you may know, you may not, but me and Thorin have different criteria for what we class the MVP to be. And in my criteria, Niski should be, or you might think should be an absolute shoe-in because I take the words very literally and I treat it as who is the most valuable player, who brought the most value. 
and there is without a doubt Niski brought an insane amount of value but I'm actually going to give my personal MVP award to Caps and the reason I'm going to give it to Caps is first and foremost I think he not only is the best player in the league but showed this split that he is that he was the best player in the league this split but from a value perspective as well I think if you remove caps and put in an all things are equal mid laner, I do not think G2 are a good team at all. So as much as that, you know, this is not 2019 G2, for example, where caps breaks his hand, let's say, oh no, we have to put perks back in the mid lane and then put uh, our sub on the AD cap. They'll still be the best team in the league, by the way. There's too much fucking brain power on that team between perks, Yankos and fucking wonder not to just win every skirmish still. So from a pure value perspective, I still think caps is more valuable to G2 then Niski is to Mad Lions, as bonkers as that sounds. I think G2 would be a, a mediocre also ran without without Caps. And and considering that their impact to their individual teams may be similar, even though I give the nod to Caps, I also think he has the highest level of play on top of that. So I'm actually gonna I'm actually gonna give it to Caps. And I also also, by the way, again, on this we've spoken about this before, but the idea that, you know, someone can be first team or pro, but not be the MVP or vice versa or whatever. It's I don't I don't understand the vote the people who vote for Niski being the best mid. Like if you want him to be MVP, I'm all about that. Like I I I consider him right. I did consider him, but was he a better mid than Caps? Yes or no? No, he was not. Did he have more impact for his individual team in terms of dragging them up the table because G2 like because Caps was always on G2? Well, yeah, but that's not that's an apples to oranges, isn't it? Like it's not even a it's not even an answerable question in that sense. So the I if you actually think Niski was better than Caps as a mid laner, I don't know what to tell you. I just think you don't know what you're looking at. So all right, my problem enough. with this is I basically have three candidates and they are all mid laners. So obviously Niski was one of them, but mm -hmm. I I will say I am not going to pick Niski. And the reason why is like, for, first of all, I'll make the case for him. The main problem I think with Niski is essentially just that because he improved, it means people who always liked him want then it to be that he's now the best. That Those are two different things and you conflate them in my opinion. The problem is in the past, he probably was slightly underrated, but he wasn't like a true elite carry mid laner in fact part of why in my opinion he even plays that style and was really good at it even years ago was because he wasn't the guy who would have just carried if he stayed in lane so he essentially learned a different style of the game and he became good at it all i'll say is this food for thought think about the spring split of the lck when t1 was winning all those games and then worlds last year when t1 was in the semis why was faker sort of playing the map like inside out why was he always like trying to get champions or just roam to side ends and help other people get ahead because he knows he wasn't the the best mid laner in the whole world so there's no point going I'm going to play against Showmaker <laughs> maybe I'll just try and no you don't what you do then is you go why do I need to get a Showmaker I'll have Zeus carry this game that's what you do by the way when you know that you have other pieces that you're going to empower well logically if you're empowering them you're not the one doing all the carrying so my problem with the whole Niski angle is this I do think individually this is the first true split where he deserves to be a contender for MVP he deserves that status but in my opinion he just deserves to be in the conversation like First of all, the El Yoya factor already is a real bad one for them because he's got a rival MVP candidate in his own team. A lot of people like Kaiser in that interview basically said he's like El Yoya's the real shot caller. If you look, by the way, what was Mad Lions the best at? Best early game. That's the jungler. Like 
if you just look with the eye test, a whole bunch of pop-off games for El Yoya. So my problem is I think the two of them sort of invalidate each other in that regard. So it, otherwise, the two I was picking between, I actually also had caps. It's caps and Vethio for me. It's either Vethio repeats or it's caps. And this is the problem. Obviously, like Rich alluded to, I personally take most valuable. I just consider that the best player. Who is the best player in the LEC? Now, it's between these two at the moment, in my opinion, because I think Vethio, I think what he carried, like the team he had to carry is a fucking joke. Now, I will say, in light of what we said earlier, I do have to say, I think he actually, his coaching staff helped him out. I think if they didn't help him out and figure out the draft, I don't think you can carry some of these games. But when you put him onto the right champions and you put him into the right moment in the game, mate, this guy... I know he had a few games early in the split that weren't that great. Mate, this guy's just money. I know it's only the regular season, so we have to see in the playoffs. But as a regular season player, he looks like already he is going to be one of the best players to ever play in the LEC. Like, this year of alone, and they had in the last split. The last three splits is ridiculous, mate. And he has not got star teammates around him. He's got some of the worst teammates of any, like, potential great rookie we've ever seen. Think about when people credit, like, Perks and those players when they come in the league. Like, they start with, like, competent players. They don't just have bombs around them. So I think he's obviously one. The Caps angle is, the problem here is this. I actually think Caps is one of the only players who almost never had any bad games this split. Like, I actually think even in a lot of the G2 losses, it was like Jankos had some int games. Broken Blade started the split like shit. And I think in the middle of the split, actually, I think his bot lane just dropped off completely. Dude, we've almost covered the entire split there. And he ended in first place because this guy pretty much the whole time was good. Early on, he was amazing. He was just wrecking everyone. It would have been like a shoo-in MVP after the MVSI the first few weeks. And then I do think, actually, he was fine in some of the bad games. I think what you see there is, this is why on that topic earlier, part of me wishes I could have said G2 was a team that might make roster I suspect they won't though because they won the spring and because they finished top now and they're almost certainly I mean they're going to Worlds and they're probably even going to win LEC I think they will actually just keep the identical team which I think is a mistake because in my opinion if you keep flacking after this year you have kept yarn enough to season eight Worlds and that is the mistake that Carlos never made in the past I was always impressed like in my opinion if you're Carlos you really do go after this season in your fucking bubble bath you get upset and you tell him make this work mate you know what that team fanatic shit they put all these players around you, their fan base is throwing you under the bus what you do mate is you come home to where you were always supposed to play, there's about three or four times upset was supposed to join G2 you bring him in, because in my opinion that's the angle so I think, to bring it back, I actually don't think Caps has had that crazy a team this split mate, I know by the end they might even win the LEC and everyone's going to say they're all the best in their roles I think they've had mad problems in G2 and he's the only thing that wasn't a problem and mate, how many more games would they have lost if this guy was even 10% worse, so the problem is, I could go both ones on that one, so the issue is, I think I'm going to go Vethio just because I do think genuinely he was like back to the wall in so many games and he just carried his way out of it like I think I know it's mad because I'm saying he's back to back but I, I, I think he is like again I, I, I can't even conceive of how this team won this many games this split it's ridiculous didn't they start 0-4 or something like yeah, they were like 10 games guys so that's like incomprehensible and by the way Pete, here's the other thing I'll say about Vethio you know the whole angle going into playoffs was like well since he's the one win condition you shot him down like you cannot shot Vethio down by the way there's no bans you can't ban him out and if he just ha if he is just in the right positions in the game he carries like his team can fuck it up for him but you, you can't just shot him down mate like teams have tried like you can still play mate sorry my dog is, is whinging his way through there we can't hear him it's alright Okay, good. <laughs> no, I think it's it's I, I my we oh, can see him now. There he is. My <laughs> personal definition of uh of MVP is like if he wasn't there, how would his team do? And uh, I think that yeah, I, I think that it's it's got for me that 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 leads more towards towards Niski as being an MVP. Um, but I completely understand why someone like uh, 
someone like um, Caps would, or even Betio as well, like with the way he's he's performed. It's somewhat illegal, honestly, as far as misfits and their results have gone. Uh, so let's let's go from just one MVP to the uh, actual like full MVP here. Like we've seen the we've seen the results of of the uh, you know of of the actual voting here. The first pro team, the second pro team, the third pro team, and there was a bit of controversy about it. Um, and I'm sure if even you know Reddit and social media doesn't like it. You guys being the contrarians that you are, probably absolutely r rolling around in your non-existent grave seeing the uh, the pro team choices here. So I want to get your opinions on what you would have changed and who would be your all pro team. Just as a reminder, uh, the all pro team, the first pro team was Broken Blade Top, El Yoya Jungle, Niski Mid, Unforgiven ADC, and Ka Kaiser as uh, as support. So essentially, Mad Lions without armor and uh, put Broken Blade in. And uh, quite sadly, actually, Armut's not even second or third. He's just not there at all. Um, but yeah, who is your all-pro team? What would you change? Thorin, I'm coming to you first. Oh, the problem with this is there's one spot I just cannot figure out, and it is top lane. Yeah, I actually yeah. think this is the worst one. Like, what's funny is when I look at theirs, I immediately go, like, you idiots. But I realize there's yeah. no sound criteria. Like, for example, I think it's insane that Broken Blade is first all. Like, like I said, go back and watch the beginning of the split. He is fucking god awful. Like, he has some gangplank games where it's like, why is he even on the team? You know, like, there's some outrageous, but it took him ages to learn Gwen. Like, mate, there's all sorts of it. So, again, but at the same time, I'm sure if I went and looked at the end of the split, he must have had some good games to round out the split again the aldi alfari second i mean fucking hell the problem is for top lane i feel like there's no good answer like for example no. before i looked at theirs i was even going to say maybe wonder i think he's actually one of the only other fanatic players that's played well but I, like there's a reason they have to be in playoffs like, i think it's wonder and upset so i might have even gone wonder on that one i don't know if I, that one's the one i'm willing to say on top lane i could change my mind a million times over the others i'm a bit more set with jungle i'm actually going to say i think it is el yoya i think he did do the best job overall the eye test checked out champion pool impact on the game like spoiler he's a player where the reason why you could have made the case he was the mvp i also just think if you notice i think mid lane's a more important role than jungle the other reason why he could have been the mvp is if you're always getting ahead in the early game, well, jungler's done his job, mate. It's not my job to do the rest of the game. Like, I'm, I'm the fucking jungler. Like, I must be killing it. So, I think El Yoya's a slam. Like I say, if I'm going to take Vethio as my MVP, I've got to put him as the mid. I can't take caps. Because like, I agree, Rich. I think it is, you are an utter fucking clown if you have, like, the MVP as a mid laner and then it's not the mid laner that's the mm. first team all pro. Like, what are we doing at this point in time? Are you just trying. Because one thing I hate, by the way, is there are actually idiot fans and who do think you should, like, spread the awards around. That's the opposite of what you should do. An award, by definition, is just for the best. It's not a bad participation award it is literally who is the best so Fethio's my mid laner then it gets trickier because here's the thing <laughs> the problem <laughs> is this right the problem is this is remember Rich I don't vote like you do based on like things to do with like the team so the problem is if I'm just picking the one that the narrative says should actually be comp he probably has been like consistent and his team's never been bad and he's been but the problem is I actually think I don't give a flying fuck who cries oh, when I say go. I'm going to pick Upset yeah, Upset was the best ADC in the league I believe it I believe the eye test checks out I think loads of the games that people are going to say like look at the scoreline at the end it's like let's go and watch together the first 15 minutes of the laning phase shall we so let's see what happened here and when you see Humanoid die religiously at level 3 and when you see 
see the enemy jungler farmed, and when you see Hillasang just in for no reason and leave lane and then and then leave it upset to be one v two under tap. When you see all these games at the end, all I'll say is this: because again, I actually think that position's another really tricky one in Europe. There's not really like a standout guy who carries some ADC right now. People have even been, I think, overrating the Patricks of the world. So I think for this position, it's one of those ones where it's like you just fall back on like a mixture of like consistent level eye tests. What were you dealing with? And I actually think upset is the reason they are in the playoffs. Like, if it wasn't for him, mate, I think this team would have been down with the fucking like Astralis BDSSKs of the world in the fucking gutter. And then for, for support, this is another one that's actually a bit trickier this season. But the problem is, I actually think this is where you take Kaiser and say that his game got back together again. I know some people like the Trimby angle. I'll take Kaiser for this one. So I'm going Wonder El Yoya, Fethio, upset Kaiser. There we go. Okay. Uh, very different to the actual... First oh, it's very. Listen, uh, people are going to. Don't worry. The comment section of this video will be amazing right now from this yeah. section onwards. Amazing. Yeah. Get ready. This is where what it's all about, and this I'm sure you're going to have to use the clip at the intro of this episode as something egregious that Thorin has said. Oh, I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. I can't there believe it. But my but my go. vote for the MVP is. Uh, yeah, exactly. That cuts. There you <laughs> go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Rich, who's, who's your uh, who's your MVP team? Yeah, I mean. I'm going to circle back to top because I think that is the by far the hardest to pick and not for good reason. Uh, jungle is the easiest lock is El Yoya for sure. The only other person who was ever in contention was Marcoon, but his early games fell off a cliff. Um, or sorry, Excel's early games fell off a cliff. I'm not actually sure how much of that was on him, to be honest, but uh, it's got to be El Yoya for jungle. Uh, mid is caps obviously that's easy for me now the bot lane is more interesting um i don't think you know well we'll talk about the final award is about the most egregious i don't think um yeah uh, kaiser i don't think it's a bad shout at all uh i'm gonna go targamas though i think that playing with flacked all year and finishing first is an achievement in itself again resident flax hater of course but I, I don't think flax is bad i just think he's unbelievably ordinary and one of the reasons why as i said earlier if you take caps out of that g2 team oh there's your carry gone who's going to carry most of your games flax is he fuck and i think Targamas yeah, i know this is wild because obviously we know like the fans will never understand so because they'll never understand they'll just keep thinking we're hating i actually think for real based on when you look at what his fans say flax is one of the players who has the worst eye test i've ever yes. seen mate, of a player that's being touted as like one of the best like this reminds me for real of when we were at that splice period in season nine and people were trying to say kobe was the mvp of the league like oh. Like, what, what are you seeing in these games? You know what I mean? Like, because that, that's what I can't handle. Because what's funny is, by the way, if you notice, I've even been fair in that sense myself. Like, I have picked up Unforgiven a lot. I just don't think he's the best ADC in the whole league. Think about the difference between what him and Upset are dealing with. He's got, by the way, he's already got three players we've just listed already for, like, best jungler, best support, and then possible MVP of the league. Like, mate, I'd love to have that team and then just fucking get a beard every early game and have items. Now, listen, from that, he played it amazingly. But the difference is, you have to do this thought exercise if I dropped upset into that same spot, he'd be the MVP of the whole league, motherfucker. What are you talking about? That's the difference. Yeah. By the way, I know there's zero way up Rich is going upset, so I'm waiting to see what no, he's coming I, with this one. No. Come on. <laughs> he saved this one till last year, notice. Come on, where are you going with it? Top. I mean, yeah, support, I'm going to Argamas. Uh, AD Carry, I'm going to go, and he has appeared on previous talk shows in slightly Neon? different contexts. Neon. I think there Neon. I think... Again, the context of team matters. I think that um, 
Neon does not have as good a team player for player as Comp has. I think they're both oh, for sure. the best best two performing AD carries for me. And I just think that Neon's playing on a slightly harder difficulty level while showing just as much competency. And I think he's probably the best late game carry. Uh, How hilarious is this, Rich? Look at the three t- players they've picked for the All-Pro. They've gone Unforgiven comp and neon it's like these are all just teams that fucking team fight you dickhead like yeah the adc just sits on the back line farming kills like like that's why i'd say there's no eye test in this game they just pick the team like the joke there is not upset can never win the award based on that logic he's never going to be in that scenario is he (laughs) it's impossible (laughs) upset like upset in the last week had some absolutely banana fights that he played out which was it it was literally like season going back to like season two and three where you could just solo win games on your own like it, I mean, I me, thought what... that was some of the most like satisfying viewing ever. Because yeah. the one thing they've lost in league with all the million dashes and all the mid and top champions going way overpowered, you, some of the most beautiful aesthetic stuff to watch in League of Legends is a perfect kiting. It's yeah. when like a ruler double lift like Weija. When these guys like perfectly kite around the team, it's some of the best shit you'll ever yeah. see in League of Legends. It looks amazing. Some of those fights he played around objectives were fucking nutty, like absolutely in the first last couple of weeks. But for me, I I I can't give it to him just on consistency. And of course, a lot of that it will be on Hillisang just fucking suicide 9-11 in sure. teams or whatever but you sure. know, it's hard for me to know who's calling I don't know whatever anyway I've gone neon and then top oh there's no one deserves it that's the thing it's not like it's hard because it's close none of none of no, these cunts deserve it I'm going to default to my boy Odoamne on the basis that for the first half of the split him and Wonder were legitimately two good top laners playing top lane well. And in the second half of the split, Alfari, for example, he had a, some good games in the second half of the split, fell apart at the end and was terrible at the first, for the first half of the split. So he's out of contention already. Wonder, I kind of felt, was going down with the ship before Upset pulled those victories out of his ass. Like, I don't think he was a reason why they, like, flipped those games around. He did play a couple of fights pretty well. Um... Uh, uh, I'm not. I'm just not going to pick Wonder over Oddo. Basically, I pick Oddo. Like on the basis, as I said, I'll take the ultimate pleb route as well and justify it by saying he had the most voted for MVP games or whatever of any top laner. So there you go, Oddo. But I, I, I don't think. Yeah. Well, I should mention Broken Blade. Like I think Broken Blade. Nah, whatever. He doesn't deserve a mention. Like he's fine, I guess. But nah, I'll go. I'll go with Oddo because even though I think probably the aggregate 